Afternoon, Troubadours. How are you all doing today? It's been a year of lockdown, and I thought it was time to do another audio podcast. You call that audio. You know, we do. Uh, I've been neglecting this, by the way. Not out of laziness. We have done over 270 live streams on our YouTube channel, which you can check out at youtube.com forward slash you call that radio. It's been some amazing guests. And we're going to try and repurpose some of them onto the audio podcast, because I know that some of you want an audio podcast. You don't want to be watching things on YouTube. You don't want to be seeing my face. You don't want to be wasting your Wi-Fi, walking around, watching a YouTube channel on your phone. So... We're going to really work harder and getting more audio podcasts out to you. This is an actual podcast. The YouTube thing they call a podcast, but it's not really, is it? Now, today is an exclusive interview with Neil Bratchpiece, who most of you will know as the wee man. And he's a comedy writer, comedian, actor, loads of other things. I haven't listened to this interview since we did it a year ago. But it's actually really good. It was good to listen back to it. There's some good crack with Neil coming up. Uh, but before we do that, I just thought I would sing you a little song to thank you for all the support you've been giving us, especially the patrons at patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. That's how you support the show. Patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. And... You know, you're powering the, the TV show, the audio podcast. And we also have a new website called youcallthat.com, which I'm also doing a blog on um, regularly as well. So thank you so much for your support. I've missed you. I have missed you all. I've missed everyone. I miss drinking beer with my friends. Drinking beer with my friends That big gold night that never ends I miss that sweaty hug As a band plays in the pub I miss drinking beer with my friends I miss that crazy Christmas day I miss that cafe doing our way I miss that happy party and sick of my fucking flatmate. I miss my friends, my family. Ah, you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. Ah, you 
gotta laugh You gotta laugh I miss everywhere that isn't here I can hear my old life in my sleep I'm alone every night But I bought a disco light I still miss drinking beer with my friends Let's be honest, I'm still drinking beer, but I miss drinking beer with my friends. We'll just move it over a bit, yeah, bad. We don't dance the techno anymore. I don't see you under the strobe light on the dance floor. It's been a while since I saw your ultraviolet smile And we don't dance to techno anymore But we will dance to techno again soon One day soon I don't know if that works at the end is this a Netflix thing? It's actually a, a, a podcast. Is, what the fuck's a podcast? You know, it's um, kind of like a radio show. Call that radio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Coming up in a little moment, we have Neil Bratchpiece, a.k.a. The Wee Man. Some of you might know from his comedy programs, his writing, he's an actor, a stand-up comedian, also a big part of the ICW wrestling. So, great chat coming up with him. I'm sorry to Neil that he's, he's had to wait a year for to hear this. I'm sorry to you all. And it's been a crazy time, but we're back. We are back, and there's plenty more coming up. I'm hopefully get some of the, the best interviews uh, to come on uh, to, to the audio podcast in case you haven't seen them recently. We've had the likes of Jason from Sleaford Mods. We've had Gail Porter on the show. We've had Abdominal. We've had Nick from Alabama 3. If you can't wait, then you can check that out on our YouTube channel. Or just wait, because they will be all coming to a, a podcast near you soon. I believe Martin Youth Glover, um, the, the incredible producer, uh, will be be the next audio podcast but don't quote me on that and, and as always shout out to Murfamish who masters the audio and all these shows and generally just a good guy who gives me lots of good tech advice so yeah big ups to Murfamish before we go to the interview though I just wanted to to tell you about a midnight invention that my good friend has came up with this is John McCrory Midnight Inventions Good night in vengeance. Hello, 
Uh, hello, hello, how are you doing? Not it's, bad, uh, how are you? It's, it's, it's John McCrory, thank you for calling that radio. You're very welcome. John McCrory, legendary guitarist and bassist, and John said something to me years ago, maybe eight years ago, and I, can't get, that, my, I, and I can't get it out of my head since. So basically, you say I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you said something along the lines of, "Why winter water is amazing? Why don't we bottle the winter water and sell it back to ourselves in the summer?" Is that correct? I mean, what was it you actually said? Is that what you said? It, it was along those lines. I can't remember exactly what it was either, but it was along the lines. Just winter water, it does taste different. It tastes different for summer water. How much better is winter water? It's a lot better. Unequivocally better. Do you think that people in Scotland and maybe other places as well, but if we're talking about Scottish water here, we can't really call well, it Scot- any other Scottish water is definitely better than any other water I've tasted. So we can't comment on other people's water right now, but we're talking about Scottish water specifically here. Do you think that we take winter water for granted in the winter? I think we do. I don't, I don't think we, we have enough here. Do you know what? I, I never even noticed it until you you said it. And this is eight years ago now, and every single time it's winter time, and I pour myself a glass of water, I just think about it again. I'm like, there's hundreds of this water in this tap. Like, there's unlimited water. There is unlimited water. The one run and it's too much rain. So, I think every time I turn that tap and the water comes out, I think there's something in this. Like, in the summer, when you're warm, you would like the coldest winter water you can get. Exactly. So I, I feel it at a deep level that we're missing a trick here because there's all this amazing winter water in the winter. But because we're cold, we're just like, we, we don't realise how good the winter water yeah. is. I'll tell you what we should be doing, right? What we should be doing is going to a pound shop and buying, say, 40 litre bottles, right? So 40 pound for 40 litre bottles. And you can fill them up in the winter, stick them in a wee cupboard at the back, in a shed, coal house, greenhouse, anything. And then when the time comes for the summer, you've got plenty of winter water there. How much winter water do you have stored? I wouldn't like to say at this specific moment in time, just in case there's any uh, winter water warmers out there that would come in and steal it. Let's just say I've got a lot. The next bit that I always wonder is, like, you know, because I would buy the winter water in the summer. I'm a believer in winter water. I would buy it back. So does this mean that you need to save up money so that you can buy the winter water after yourself. So, summer John McCrory, how does he buy the winter water after winter John McCrory? So, your initial your initial payment would be the 40 quid that you spend at the pound shop to buy your, your storage bottles, right? So, you need to get that. So, so summer, summer John McCrory needs to get that money back off of... So do you give yourself, do you allow yourself £40 worth of free winter water? Well, what, what I would do is, so see in the summer, usually if you're, say you're in a park or something like that, 
then you you get a bit thirsty as we do in the, the summer when it's nice and warm. So you go to a shop and how much is a bottle of water at a shop? It can be up to like two pound. Especially for a litre bottle. Especially for a litre bottle. So if you've already got them pre-stored in your pre-storage destination, then you're sorted. So you don't need to buy that bottle of water. So after the first year, I'd say that would pay for itself. Then you just keep using the same bottles every year. So you don't need to buy anymore. Or you can you can buy 20 extra or 10 extra and keep bumping up your numbers. So so selling it. So you're you're, you're basically selling it to yourself. Is there any, are you thought about expanding and selling it to the other summer people? Because like, imagine that a festival, if there was a stand that was selling water, and there was a stand selling winter water, I, you know what one I'd go to? I would definitely be drawn to the winter water one. In fact, I think that might be, we might need to copyright that. We might can you, can you copyright a stall? Well, Would I mean, copyright I think, or? I don't know. I think the stalls don't really uh, care about copyright. I've seen a McDonald's burger van before as well, but apparently <laughs> the guy was called McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's that old, can, that old chestnut by George The guy can't really do I don't think he can copyright or something. I don't know how that works. Uh, but so so the, the general idea, I mean, to to make this a business idea, how, how what's the next issue? Because I think the reason I'm so obsessed with this idea of uh, getting winter water and then selling it back to myself in the summer. The reason that I'm sort of obsessed with it a wee bit now is because, you know, there is an unlimited... Um, sorry, what's that word that uh, people use for, uh, what gurus would use? Abundance. 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 <laughs> uh, there's an abundance of this winter water that I have access to. And in the summer, I have no access to it. So to me, it seems like we're sitting on a gold mine here. Aye. We're sitting on an absolute gold mine of winter water, and in the summer, we will want it. And there's obviously there's some work to do. I mean, I don't, there's flaws oh, in there's the plan. Al- there's always work to be done. There's work, to, of course. There is work to be done. There is uh, flaws. Flaws in the plan, yes. No, but, I don't think there's any flaws. Right, there's no flaws, but there's work <laughs> to be done. But it's like, how do you get from. Abundance to profit is what I'm thinking. And this is what, this kind of sums up for me life in the creative industries. It's just like a metaphor for all the amazing ideas that go through your head, like whether that is a, an idea for a gig, whether it's a, an idea for a, a band name, an album name, or a melody. And you go, that would be a good song. And you can see the potential in it. It runs through your head. You can imagine it being played to 50,000 people. Definitely. And then, but there's all that, it's all that middle stuff I hate. Do you know what I mean? Why can't you just have an idea and then profit? Why is there all this middle shit that ruins it? That's where you employ middlemen. That is what middlemen are for. So the middle middlemen? Meddling middlemen. Meddling middlemen. Meddling middlemen take all the money and they do fuck all. That's why we don't get meddling middlemen. They just, they find a way to pay themselves and then the company's bankrupt before you know it. You can aim a water, you can aim money, and there's some guy driving off into the sunset in a Ferrari or some shit. Well, you're hard work. Keep it independent, man. Don't sell out. So we need a stall then. We need a stall. And we need £40 worth of bottles for a pound shop. I think that should be enough to get started, I'd imagine. Enough to get started. You can refill the bottles. But you like winter water so much, would you not just drink £40 of water yourself? Well, this is... Sell that? 
This is where the old adage, don't get high in your own supply, comes from. <laughs> so, uh, you're going to, but, but, I mean, it's the old adage, but so, how, many, what, how, how, people, how, many people, how many people take that seriously, don't get high in your own supply? I don't know many people who have successfully not got high off their own supply. The, <laughs> the numbers are astounding. The statistics are about, terrible for stuff like that. Aye. Uh, no comment. <laughs> no comment. Okay, so basically, winter water will be available. You're going to do your best not to drink it. Now, if right. it is only 40 bottles, that means that you can't be selling at a pound or two pounds because this is now limited edition water. We're not going to do a Coca-Cola and you know take the whole water supply and fill it up in a factory, what they do. We're talking about very limited editions bottles of winter water. How much? Right. 40 bottles. How much will you be selling it to the summer people? I think I could sell a bottle of winter water to a hipster for at least a tenner. At, at least a tenner. At least a tenner? Maybe £12. Pound. They, like their, they like their weird numbers, don't they? So like £12.79 or something like that. <laughs> and on a, a really sunny day though, on a really sunny on a, day. On a really sunny day you can bump the numbers up yeah. to I'd say £23.79 maybe, £24.42. What about your... It's a palindromic number. I think we would go for that. Twenty-four. Will you be going for a? Will you be going for a minimal design, like a minimal design? Because absolutely, like well. absolutely nothing on the bottle. Just a, <laughs> just a plain, a plain bottle. You can see through it so that you can see how clear the winter water is. Um, if you get a wee shake, you can see the bubbles. That's what they love. So, I think well, that's sell. I'm interested, man. I'm interested. I think we should you know, go and drag it. But the whole area's internet went out yesterday as I speak to you. And I was just thinking, somebody could make a fortune by just walking about with a whole bunch of DVDs and just showing DVDs. Because <laughs> honestly, it's like, you forget. You forget. So, you become attached to things, and then when things go away, you don't realise how much you miss them. And that's the exact same with Winter War. That is the metaphor for Winter You don't know what you've got till it's gone. That's and it. In the winter, we're just complaining about cold. That oh, it's so cold. It's always cold. Oh, Scotland's freezing, and then you don't even realise that you've got this amazing winter water and and an abundance of it in your sink. An abundance in your sink. It never and then just, So don't come crying to us in the summer when you've not stocked up on winter water. Any final words, John? Buy winter water. Buy winter water. Thank you, John McCrory. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. I got you. I got you. Ready? One, two.
One, two, one, two. Yo, this is Charlie Tuna from Jurassic 5 Live and Direct here in Glasgow, Scotland. And you call that radio? <laughs> You call that radio. Thanks to John McCrory for an illuminating chat about the benefits of winter water. Sadly, this was a, recorded this about a month ago, and it's already quite warm in Glasgow now. It's been actually sunny this week. I've got a red face because I got about an hour of walking around in the sunshine with the park, look, look, tea in the park. It was mad just seeing people out and about. So um, I hope everybody uh, enjoys the weather and stays safe. Thanks to John McCrory for the chat and also for uh, laying down the guitar parts for, for Winter Water, the song. Maybe one day there'll be a Winter Water movie. I hope that there will be a Winter Water stall at a festival this year. If there is any festivals this year, we're about to find out. I have hope that... I mean, I don't know how the big festivals are actually going to work, but I do have hope for sort of smaller gigs, smaller gatherings. And, you know, we're up for doing the podcast, live podcast in your garden. So if anyone's got a bit of space, a big garden, and they, they don't mind me bringing a little guest along and having a little chat, then we will do that, hopefully very, very soon. Also, I'd like to give a wee shout out to Joe Dark. Joe Dark of uh, Minerva Wakes and Twisted's fame for playing guitar from the first song I miss drinking beer with my friends. And I certainly do. So looking forward to catching up with you all in real life, hopefully quite soon. Now, next up is the comedian that you probably know best is the wee man. He said over like, I don't know, 500 million hits on the Hear You, That'll Be Right song. And just loads and loads of, of comic material he's done over the years. Excellent stand-up comedian, does uh, writing for BBC Comedy, he's a writer for various different things, and um, also a manager in the ICW, which is a kind of hardcore underground wrestling organisation based in Glasgow. So, yeah, I mean, this is a year old, so I just want to say sorry to Neil for it taking so long, but it's been a, it's been a very strange year, as I think you can all imagine. So I'm just catching up with some of the interviews that I did in the past and we'll have much more coming out soon. It's youtube.com forward slash you call that radio. In case you aren't aware that we have been doing almost a, a, a new show almost every day over there. You get all the information on our website, you call that.com as well. You can support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. Now bear in mind, this is Neil Bratchpiece, the wee man. It's uh, a year old. So some of the things we say may not apply anymore. Maybe some of our opinions may have changed since the entire world has changed. But just to set the scene, this was run about, this was in March, I believe. And it was just when the COVID chat was, well, it was coronavirus chat at that time. Nobody said, even said the word COVID, did they? It was coronavirus chat. And, you know, it was a, it was a kind of sort of, it, it did feel like it was about to get serious. I think at one point in the interview, uh, Neil does ask what I think. But I mean, I was definitely of the opinion that it was going to be more serious than swine flu. And 
But, I mean, there's no way they could have predicted it when they've went the way it has. Absolutely no way could have predicted all that stuff. So basically, the scene is, is we were in Astronomic Studio. Shouts to Astronomic for letting us record the interview uh, in his studio. We just had a good we had a good wee laugh. We had a can of beer. Uh, Neil, actually, was ahead of the curve. He had a mask. He had a mask. Uh, he was doing videos almost every day of lockdown where he was running down the street with a different disguise on. So, yeah, we're just we're talking about that, but it wasn't really a big thing. I mean, there was no mention of lockdown at that point. And that day, I went I went for a pint after it, and I played what would end up being my last gig. And I've not played a gig since. Done a couple of live stream things, but that doesn't really count. But I wasn't even booked to play. I was just having a pint at the bar. And uh, my good friend, Malfunction, managed to convince me into... Someone pulled out, so I was asked if to fill in and I did some a bit of spoken word stuff I did a bit of jackal trade stuff not knowing that that would be my last gig and obviously back then everyone was still everyone were all just hugging each other it was a normal night pretty much and then a couple of days later I was very very ill and uh, I'd actually was in a house alone I was actually supposed to be writing a poetry book that, that I've still got to do I've still not had time to do that yet but I was just so ill, I didn't get anything, any writing done that week. I was just very, very ill. Whether it was COVID or not, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I've never felt that ill before from a flu or anything like that. So I, I was, I thought I might be sick with it. And also I was, I just started reading up on everything. And at that time, then it was, that was around about that time that all the news was coming from Spain and Italy. And it was a very somber thing when, you know, there was 800 people a day passing away. And it was seemed very sombre when it happened to Italy and France. And then when, you know, Britain's up, was up, you know, I think even just in January, there was, was, was 1,300 deaths per day. And I just don't really think that the the media over here has really held our um, governments to account at all. And uh, But that's another story. I just, uh, I feel very grateful that I've, even though the, everything that I do was suddenly cancelled overnight. I just remember being really ill that week and, and thinking this is going to be bad. Events are going to get cancelled and I have no backup plan, which is why I moved the audio podcast to a kind of daily live stream sort of setup because I thought that, you know, people want to stay connected and just it was just good to keep in touch with people. So I feel very lucky that, that that actually seemed to work quite out quite well and people seem to enjoy the show. We've had, we've had loads of amazing guests on and just the generosity and banter from all the viewers and the patrons and stuff has been amazing. So, um, yeah, thank you. Also, also did, we just did a live show at CaptureWorks again there as well. Uh, so check that out on, on the YouTube channel. There's some great live sets that have, that have already been uploaded and, and will be uploaded again even more. Anyway, enough of this chitter-chatter. Let's go to the main event. It's Neil Bratch Peace, a.k.a. The Wee Man. One, 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 You call that radio. You call that radio TV. No. 
call at Radio TV. Radio. This is you call that radio. One, two, one, two. <laughs> uh, we just want to get that microphone comfortable, man. Um, one, two, one, two. Yeah, I'll keep the headphones on, so I've got it. Okay. Yeah, it's sounding good, man. It's sounding good. All good. Hello, Neil. Welcome to You Call That Radio. Hello. Thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for having me in. This is a cracking studio in here, by the way. I don't know what to expect. It's all down, nothing to do with me. It's astronomics, uh, handiwork. Uh, him and Sev have done a great job of making this place. He's normally on the computer recording Excellent. it, but I've just kind of made a wee sort of, you know, it'll do the job. And we've got my famous master on the audio after it, so we've well, got an expert who's going to make it sound good. On that note, my phone's just gone, so I'm going to switch off my phone just in case. Very professional. I've had that. Well, to experience, I've done a, remember a few years ago doing a podcast and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, talked away for ages, and then it was actually, it was Billy Catwood, the comedian, was doing a podcast for a while, and then I was asking him how the audio was going, he was like, I can't use it, just the whole time. <laughs> like for an hour and a bit, you can just hear bit 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 in the back. Oh, it's like no. just me, and my, my phone, and my you pocket. Don't, you don't get that happening as much. What I was... think it was maybe a bit. It was was kind of cheap. Oh, I say he's cheap, but it was. <laughs> I think no, it was but, kinda but you know, I mean, just in button. general, that noise you used to get it all the time. Yeah. You know, that way your your telly would start beep 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 before your phone rang That's and right, stuff. Yeah. I think we, I think we were definitely getting fried. I think the phone companies fixed that. Yeah. We're getting radiation straight ahead, but the phone comes away. We probably shouldn't be doing that. I think I've just made it less obvious that you're yeah. getting <laughs> shit. Can't be good. I mean, well, I was reading the day about uh, 5G gives you coronavirus. What? <laughs> Where did you read? Was that Viz? No, it's a, it's, a, it's a conspiracy theory of the week. Of course, man. So, and, and you know what you see? You know, I, I'm quite, I like, I connect, you know, people that connect dots. Mm. And there's some really good dots to connect. If you, you know, you've got to be on side for, for this to work at all, this conspiracy theory. But if you just go with it, check, who, who's rolling out all the 5G? It's true. It's China. Yeah. It's, you can find these dots if you really want to connect them. Yeah. What would what would be the purpose in game folk coronavirus though? It kind of thin out the population, or what's the kind of theory behind well, it? Well, I mean, that, I mean, the beauty thing about any good conspiracy theory is there's there's multiple reasons, so that you can't actually nail anyone down. Like the flat Earth thing, because like, well, why would they lie about ah, the flat Earth? Yeah. And for some people, they will say, oh, it's because they've got a secret um, ice heaven, or where all the celebrities, uh, you know. T- Dead slip. They're not even dead. Tupac no. and all that's there. You know they're yeah. all having. They're all just laughing at his binder. I feel like an ice palace. Is that the thing? <laughs> you think if they had the choice though, if they were that rich and powerful and they're going to fake their own death, they'd want to get like a warm palace rather than like a freezing. Do you know what I mean? Is it like is it is the theory it's at the North Pole or something? Like that? It's like why would they go for the sunny climate of California? To go and live in an igloo, Jack. <laughs> why, is, why is Tupac well, <laughs> ice fishing? Well, they know, they, know something, they know something we don't. The coronavirus one is like, so people are saying that maybe China have done it deliberately. But, I mean, it could be... I mean, obviously, I think that some of the governments are taking advantage of, you know, what France has stopped the protests over five uh, gatherings of over 5,000 I mean shit which like is that, quite handy with the that's that's true like I mean uh, m- my brother David's much more a conspiracy nut than me always kind of uh, take everything with a pinch of salt and stuff um, but uh, there's been certain things I've been reading I'm sure he would uh, sure next time I see him we'll have about an hour long kind of well, <laughs> discussion to give well, that's why shit I've been reading is quite that's why like you can well. throw all these things together because obviously governments definitely are willing to take advantage of these things you yeah. know, it's good day, very bad news, all that kind of stuff. But straight away, we're into 5G causes coronavirus, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. 
Neil, let's just go back. Let's talk about you a bit. So, you've had a very strange career. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's mild to say that. Aye. I remember the first time I heard you was like most people probably drinking Merry Down in a a house in a scheme and uh, I seen the wee man uh, Ned's crew video and that that was massive. I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was that back in the day when we had phones that had just got videos before coronavirus causing 5G before I mean, I mean <laughs> we didn't even have 2G it was, uh, was it 1G I the 1G era don't know even uh, don't even know if G's were introduced as a concept <laughs> by that point man it was mostly snake nobody could afford a G in those days <laughs> it was uh, it was uh, yeah mm. it was the it was the two two pound ekies, the two pound ease. Oh man, <laughs> not going into too much detail. The but two ease. Those are the days, man. That's, <laughs> remember that? So when we were ten in so a nightclub and buy. Anyway, I anyway, not anyway, anyway, <laughs> the good old days, eh? So what's so interesting is in those days we didn't. I don't think the phones had internet, but they did have videos, the good ones. Yeah. And that's oh. when your 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 video came about. I, I don't think it was just the audio. Actually. I think that was Bluetooth because I've had a lot of folk got that. That's Bluetooth and infrared. The kind of... It was actually bef- really yeah. Because so you would have had the fancy ones would have had Bluetooth, but the older ones would have had infrared. We actually had to hold the phones together <laughs> in order to say. I wasn't even aware of that. No. Oh well, I was, that was the good stuff. Yeah. And that, so that was. I mean, that's that video. How many is that? Five million views. Oh man, fuck. Was what am I thinking? YouTube. It's got. Four odd million Facebook. I put it up on Facebook uh, like a couple of years ago. I'm talking maybe four, five years ago or something like that. I kind of started the Facebook page that I've got uh, and I put that up kind of early on and it's got a few million views on that as well. Um, that's a weird one as well because it's like I'd, I'd put it up as a kind of throwback Thursday thing or whatever. Going like, who remembers that shit? I don't. And then I got all these views. And then it's that way with Facebook, it became, I don't know if it like replaced YouTube that way, but maybe for kind of shorter kind of viral clips like that. Um, and then, so because it got all those views, I still get Wayne's going like that, that video, for, referring to it as that video for Facebook. So it's weird, that, uh, like I'm not even sure if like Wayne's realise was... that their parents were Bluetooth at so, each other. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. Like, like, I really like that retro... Um, g- uh, uh, video effect he's got in the video yeah, so it looks it's really 240p <laughs> and all that and like, <laughs> it's a pixel inch I've actually because maybe in the run up to that I actually asked because um, I wasn't involved in the production of that video whatsoever do you know what I mean yeah, so, so how did that come about because so it's a different you didn't do the song in no, the video no. so how, how, what's going on with it's, this it's a, I mean it is a weird it's got to the point like I, I often tell folk when I can be bothered <laughs> uh, when they go ah, I love that song you wrote and whatnot, and I, like you know I mean I usually correct them like well I don't know it's not my song and all that and then it becomes such a kind of detailed story of how it came about <laughs> that I'm just quite often like yeah thanks yeah. you know what I mean and just move on it was nothing whatever. but um, yeah it was an odd way where so I was doing stand up um, and character for a while now at that point I'd kind of done it for like a couple few months or something like that and then uh, I canned it I kind of gave it up because it came from, I'd been doing sketches with my pal, um, doing various characters and stuff, and I just kind of picked that character to take on and do solo stand-up. And I kind of gave up because I got into the Scottish Comedian of the Year final. And I, I had a good gig and stuff in the final, but then uh, it was this English reviewer, <laughs> I won't name him, but he kind of runs uh, quite a well-known kind of industry website and stuff for comedians and slated me and his, his review. was just <laughs> just like, it was like so harsh to the point where my mom was going to, 
uh, chin them next time. <laughs> um, but I took it so badly that I kind of just, I was like, all right, I'm not going to do this as so stand up anymore. And then it happened to be, I was doing one gig. There was a kind of charity thing with my dad and my brother who were both doing stand up at the time. My brother still does, but my dad retired. Uh, and then Sean, the producer behind the kind of song, was in the crowd, just happened to be in the audience. And through a kind of mutual friend, phoned me up a wee while later saying, I've, we've recorded this song, do you want to be in the kind of video for it? Um, so that came about because he had a pal, Ian, who'd done this song acoustically at parties and stuff, and Sean, being a DJ and stuff, was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that to a techno beat and all that and remix it. Um, and then it, we got to the point where we were like, they were like, hey, we want to do a video, but we don't know what to do. And then he saw me doing stand-up and went, do you want to be in this video? And I was like, I'll just jump about jamming McCann Street for a day in the pissing rain for a laugh <laughs> and not expecting. Like I thought about this is the early days of, maybe not the early days of the internet, but early days of kind of viral I th- videos. I, mean, I, of us, I, I would, I no would, I would consider happen, it like. early days of internet f- as far as I'm concerned, because I mean, the internet did exist, but it was rubbish. Yeah. I mean, unless you you were you know you had a certain niche that you were you were actually interested. In. I mean, I mean, all, I remember going, "Oh, this is great," but all I really looked at was Pink Floyd lyrics and aye. I, I, maybe early days of the internet in terms of kind of mobile internet. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like been about for a while on like home computer, computers. Was, was, but... I think that was when you started getting videos. Like it would buffer. It would buffer quicker. Aye. So people were starting to use it. Like you say, with folk showing each other stuff on their yeah. phones maybe that was kind of one, well, of, one yeah. of the first times do you know what I mean like, and so is Ned's crew a thing nah it was a it's, it's a that bit Millie well. Vanilli it's like, <laughs> you're the face of the yeah it's so random I'm a lot like Millie Vanilli and that half of me's dead uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but nah it's, like folk always ask that like, where's Ned's crew who's Ned's crew and I'm kind of like I, I don't know how to explain no, it's, it's just, just a made up kind of cipher thing like, I actually had uh, I, I was working in a call centre I, I had a character called Neddy Natno so I'd be like <laughs> It's before you, and they just thought you stole my ideas. But um, <laughs> it was like, I'd be like, in a concert, like, all right, Neddy, not no fame, I'd go in Glasgow and just like try and get the sale. And it would help me working in concerts, I had to yeah. put on characters yeah, and, yeah. and voices. That makes sense. But well, that reminds me actually, so there's obviously precursors and stuff, but one that sticks in my mind to when I was at school uh, and like computing class, and I'm talking about like early days internet, we'd go on the computers. Did you listen to Rab? Was it Rab Corbett? Yeah, Rab Corbett? I, yep. The kind of prank calls yep. and all that. And he had done kind of various characters and stuff, but there's a few that stuck in my mind uh, that probably, do you know what I mean, just instinctively inspired me, probably amongst a few other people. But there was one particularly phones up, like a, a boxing. Was it a boxing school or something like that? And he just... Oh, yeah. Was it the, no, it was a boxing school. It was like, I want to learn how to batter. Teach me how to batter better. Like. <laughs> <laughs> just, just winding folk up. I never found out, who was that guy? Like, was he called Rab Corbett or was that a made up name? Or? I, don't, I mean, I think it was maybe. It, it, it used to just get it. I remember people would go to the bars and pick up the, the tapes, and aye, it was very aye, mysterious because it was kind of before that. And now we know, I mean, anyone does anything, we know their whole backstory. Aye, can, but it's kind of like a. Probably, you probably had stuff on the internet now. Someone would have. You'd probably, probably I'm sure Glasgow Live would have thought about them, but now. Ah, surely, man. They'd have made a big thing of it. I'd hope so. The, it was the name. What was the name of the website again? We got it off. You just like got all these mp3s or like wav files or whatever off this website and i can't remember it was called like glasgow glasgow something glasgow survival yeah glasgow survival.com i think that was yeah, the neds versus goths videos and stuff right, aye, aye. Up. yeah it was a, that was a strange thing and uh, the i think the first time i seen you live i mean i'm not sure i remember going to the arches with my brother to see you doing something and i'm not sure i'm not sure i, th- I don't know if you're maybe supporting someone but i remember that 
and um, I don't even know if you were actually supposed to be playing. It was just like you seem to just appear and do your song and a bit and a couple other bits. So I've not got any more information about that. But I just remember that happening. I remember going, oh, I've, that's the guy for the video, oh, and you're like, Hank, aye. And also, you seen you do. Uh, remember the wee joint detour did, and yes. you were doing the bus. We block with uh, block. Uh, the guys for block. The guys for block. Yeah, and stuff. Uh, joint. That. So that was like a. You got. You just applied. I think it was like a tenner for a ticket or something. That's right, yeah. And you get taken in a secret wee joint, and it was oh. amazing, man. We get, went. It was bands in a. I think you did in the shop. There was a band in the shop. Band in a venue, and then we got on a bus, and you were there. That's right. Uh, that was great for me because it was like planned that it was like a double decker thing. What I get was Ali McCray, I think. It, maybe he was on the mic. It was or Ali McCray, yeah. He was definitely there, um, and he was doing the kind of bus tour announcement up the top, and then it was I was to come up and like totally covered up in my shell suit and all that, and uh, take the mic off him. And then make it out as if I'd some guy that just wandered onto the bus and then just do stand up until yeah. we got to whatever park it was. I uh, and I remember doing it at like at the first when I first took the mic off and folk folk were shaking themselves. <laughs> 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 they didn't know what to think of it at all. Yeah, it was and like, exactly, gradually Especially it makes a funny because of the, who the crowd were as well. It was, it was a very sort of uh, kind of hipsters before hipster, like, hipsters before was hipsters a hang. Was a hang and, I, yeah. I kind of I remember uh, Lauren Mayberry for churches was on that. Uh, yeah, but she was there. Man, well, I was there myself, man. I didn't. Um, none of my friends went to ghost before. I, this was way back, man. This is good. T- I wasn't. I was. I was in a band, but nobody like gave us the time of day at that time, and I was just sort of went myself. And I remember feeling a bit kind of awkward with the whole scenario, but I really enjoyed the whole. Like, I just liked the idea of it. It was great, man. Yeah. And I don't know what part that was, but and I don't remember what bands played. To be honest, either. But they were all the coolest bands about at the time. Yeah, yeah. But the sort of cool up and coming bands. That probably did become well churches. Yeah, churches, Just, exactly. You know One I mean? of the churches, at least, man. Yeah. Uh, probably they were probably all there. Who knows, man? I can't. Kind of memories are and, hazy and stuff. But I remember that because it was a double decker. <laughs> I didn't have that much material certainly at the time. So it was like I started up in the top deck, like <coughs> said about to stand up. And then I was like, I'll go down to the bottom deck and talk to them now. And then I went down and I was like, well, the top deck probably can I hear me. So I just repeated the same <laughs> fucking like 10 minute stand up set. And then when I get back up, I had a few pals actually, I kind of knew I'd worked with and stuff. Uh, we were in a band and they tell me they were like, I, I we could hear it coming through the PA on the top. He's just doing the same jokes again. And I'm like, well, it works. <laughs> you, get, you get sharper as well, I would imagine, just doing the same jokes straight after. You, you, get, you, get, you get, you know, I think but, close, we did it once with a gig where we. Edinburgh, we played at the fringe. We played a gig in one venue, and we literally came off stage, went drove in the corner, and played yeah. another gig. Felt really weird. It felt like you were totally cheating because we're just playing the same songs yeah, again. Yeah, you mean, man? But, it's but like, it makes you sharper. Yeah, it definitely keeps you on your toes. That kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, man, it's the way to do it. So how did the right? So so from that to so you're doing a bit of stand up, and then I think the ICW is, is yeah. That, well, that's obviously. On my radar, that's what you just it was perfect. I think it was a match made in heaven. Uh, personally speaking, I, I mean, as a kind of lifelong fan of wrestling, um, I, just I kind of always thought I was just like, I wonder if there's any way I can somehow get involved in the world of wrestling. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'd always been uh, kind of keeping an Such eye a on pipe it. Dream so... Because before ICW was a thing, it just didn't seem like I mean, I think we all well, I, I was definitely right to wrestling growing up as well, and it was like. Uh, is there a, there wasn't really a, a way to do it and that's the thing man in it's, Scotland well you, you growing up you're like you, I mean you're watching Hulk Hogan up with Warrior and then on like Stone Cold and the Rock and you don't for a second think <laughs> this thing could happen in Mary Hill do you know what I mean it's like it's like a different world these, these are like action figures these guys and stuff um, so I it was almost kind of serendipity that like I got on 
involved in ICW and it's kind of fairly early days when it was still up at Mary Hill Community Centre and all that. Um, it came about it came about in a weird set of circumstances as well. I'd kind of done a bit of wrestling before that. Like I'd seen them do, I'd seen some folk do a show downstairs in the, was it the sports cafe up in Sockhill Street because they were showing WrestleMania upstairs and they did a wee show downstairs. Um, and I reckon I recognised someone that was kind of involved so I kind of just asked about like how do you get into doing this or just making a one reappearance even do you know what I mean it'd be a kind of dream come true uh, then for that it just kind of turned into all of a sudden it seemed I went and did a wee bit of training with Kid Fight uh, at the time and then <laughs> at the time there was a Tommy Sheridan charity boxing match coming up that a comedy promoter was involved in running and he knew I was into wrestling and stuff and uh, my brother to an extent as well so he uh, got in touch going like that do you just want to have a wrestling match like before as the kind of undercard almost to this charity boxing match with Tommy Sheridan so my first proper introduction into live wrestling it was not ICW related it was actually wrestling in a boxing ring in Knightswood British Legion before Tommy Sheridan came out of the box you ended up boxing Tommy Sheridan yourself I did a a couple years later (laughs) funnily enough uh, which was much harder going than any (laughs) fucking wrestling bump um so I, my introduction to wrestling was in a boxing ring which does not have any give. Like I was taking sidewalk slams and snap suplexes and it like solid, like there's no bounce in that mat. Man. I've seen like, you take a few sore ones. Uh, there's been some sore ones since then as well, but that was proper into the deep end stuff. That like, uh, And then, yeah, yeah, like you said, a couple of years later I did a charity boxing match with Tommy Sheridan myself in Coatbridge. And uh, I am lucky to have survived that because he is a much bigger guy in person than you realise. Like, listen, well, you're you're in good shape yourself, and you... for for my weight division, yeah, <laughs> which well, is six six weight divisions below him, I looked that up, man. So <laughs> <laughs> it's never gonna work. Well, listen, I mean, you're, you're you're in you're fighting for good shape and in the ICW, and then you're just up against some of these people in the wrestling are just it's not a human. Yeah, it's different levels. Yeah. I mean, as like so in ICW, I'm a manager and stuff, and I think it works quite well uh, for the likes of myself to be a manager and stuff. And usually, whoever they put me with and stuff, when I'm walking out the ring room, I will make them look like a monster because I'm like a wee yeah. guy. Do you know what I mean? It, I've I've seen it work in the past when you've got a manager who's about six foot three and you're like, well, that guy's like half a foot taller than the supposed intimidating wrestler that might be managing. I've thought so. about being a manager as well. I, I remember what well, I had. I think me and Dallas thought that we were just drunk we were talking about it as an actual idea. I liked the idea of it. I don't know if Dallas just humoured me. But I did like the idea of doing it. I was going to be uh, Mr. Gyro or something <laughs> like that. And I liked, the idea of, <laughs> I liked the idea of being a guy who's like, you're walking in a, a suit and going, your taxi's paid for this. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but then I thought, that, that, but then the media were actually turning in it. Well, you know, it's probably not a good idea propaganda wise because it is actually that's what's happening it's like be scared of the unemployed guy man he's got a big telly <laughs> well I mean quite often in wrestling it works best to kind of touch on what's winding yep. folk up and top you know what I mean like I yeah. remember an ICW run about the time of the independence referendum and just after that, they introduced a kind of mostly English villainous stable called the 55. Yeah, which I, I thought that. was like, if there's a time to do that, man, that's like perfect. So. Some, of the, some of the things WWF has, or WWE's done yeah. over the years is ridiculous, just sort of tapping into politics and people's fears. And yeah. The, what, what's, what's, what's the craziest thing wrestling's got away with? 
Uh, oh, I mean, there's been some mad shit. Like, like WWE in the last few years certainly has toned down a lot, being like PG-13 yeah. and stuff, and it's maybe for the best, because it's like you look back at... You look back at some of the stuff uh, even a few years ago, and you're like, I can't, I can't believe some of the, <laughs> some of the pure. Uh, I mean, one of the famous ones in WWE was like a character called Muhammad Hassan, who was yeah. like an outspoken kind of Muslim character and stuff. And just they could they could have done it a few ways and stuff, but just the way it panned out got the guy thrown off TV. Basically, I think the TV companies went like, we can't have this no. guy coming out. Like, it, it got to the point where he was coming out. Uh, uh, folk in like balaclavas were coming out to help him and stuff, and some of the some of the intonations were just like pretty straight. And then it's always the all American hero comes in Aye. to fight him. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they've like they've definitely toned uh, stuff like that down. If you look back at like uh, shows from like years ago, particularly in about that. I, I mean, I, I stopped watching wrestling when I was school. Really, I stopped. I mean, actually, when I, we played the ICW gig, and I said. I great wrestling when I was 14 to the mm. crowd and I turned into the biggest heel ever. Yeah. They all booed me. It went yeah. really badly and I didn't mean it with that. Yeah. I didn't mean it with that at all. But, but that will turn you. I mean, when I turned heel in ICW, uh, that's basically how I kind of pitched my first Big Can You Heel promo. I went yeah. out of the ABC and, and I finished my promo by going like that. Uh, wrestling's for Wayne's grow up, you smelly <laughs> bastards. Because <laughs> <laughs> for an over 18 show, it's an I was over like, 18's crowd. That makes if sense, anyone doesn't man. know, ICW's over 18's kind of hardcore wrestling and adult content. And yeah, I just got booed. I mean, I, I did, I was kind of shocked, but also uh, exhilarated by the booze. Yeah. Poor John McCrory, he was his first gig on bass. <laughs> <laughs> He'd only been in the band for a day because another bassist couldn't make it, so yeah. he just sort of filled in. <laughs> but I, I, it was a, it was a, it was a good experience, though, man. It's, uh, it's, it's not, it's, 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 ICW now connected to the WWF or what's going on there? What is? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not the best authority to talk to about no. what's the, the exact details and stuff, but certainly. Um, yeah, like they're, they're kind of uh, there's connections between ICW and WWE and stuff. And they can help each other out with a few things. Good, good for and... Drew as well, man. Oh my god, I, I mean, he's going to wrestle. He's going to win it. Oh, hopefully, like I, I, think I, he I is. really hope so. Um, it, it would be so, just to fill in so the listeners. Uh, Drew, Drew's from Air, I think. You know? uh, Air, yeah, yep, yeah. Drew's from Air, and he just won the Royal Rumble, which is a big deal. That means he's going to he gets a title match at WrestleMania. Yeah, and that'd be great. It was uh, just the way they did it as well. It's like the that was one of the best Royal Rumbles I've seen. And yeah, because you just seen everyone going mental on Twitter because it would just look like Brock was just going. Aye, Brock Lesnar was just putting everyone out. They came on and it was yeah, it was ruining the Royal Rumble for people. I, I couldn't believe that because like I fucking loved it. I, lo- I loved it as I well, but it, I think that was part of the thing. Is like people are going. They no. knew they knew they were winding folk up. That was the yeah. whole idea. The whole idea was because obviously the Royal Rumbles normally people like it because there's maybe six or seven or eight wrestlers all at one time. There's lots of yeah. action happening. And everything one or two people would come down, brought this big guy, brought Lesnar, just throwing him out, chuck him out, man. But I'm like, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't believe they'd never done that in a Royal Rumble before. I was like, I was kind of waiting for that. At one, at one point, they need to just have some big dominant guy yeah. that just, you know what I mean, fucks everyone and else over so, the top rope. Then the Scottish guy knocked that guy yeah, out, came and out and looked like a destroyer. Man. And now he's now, I mean, that's amazing. It's the best, as uh, the. Uh, Absolute best way to do it. And it's actually, so cool to see. I, was watching the, I actually watched that one live. It's, I've not really watched anything for a long time, but what I do love watching, I'm so glad I just happened to watch that one. But what I do love watching is just like you see talk, the old wrestlers that are retired now, 
Yeah. Was it the shoots? They call it shoots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just love hearing them tell their stories about uh, wrestlers passing. Obviously, they've got their own yeah. side of the tale, and then you Google the other guy's side of it, and just it's it's an such an interesting business. There's nothing else like it. There really isn't it. No, that's the thing. There's a yeah. lot of um, you know, drink, drugs, violence, scandal, and yeah. stories you wouldn't believe, man. People and people, the, the idea that people, the idiots, they just go, it's fake. Yeah. It just, I just, it's, to me, if you just say that, it's like just it shows that you've got quite a, a low level of intelligence to actually. That's your first reaction. Aye, is to if, say and it's if, fake. If not just intelligence, even like imagination. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's more because they they'll probably look at it as in they're looking down on folk that have got lower level intelligence for liking wrestling and stuff. Yeah. But you're like, like no, what what you're lacking is kind of imagination. And yeah. do you know what I mean? But quite often with ICW particular. Um, I've noticed over the years, I've heard for a lot of fans that have turned up to it because their pals dragged them or whatever, uh, their, their boyfriends dragged them maybe, and they've not been into wrestling whatsoever. Like, they've had that kind of viewpoint, like, this this is silly, it's all set up, it's just for children and stuff. But then they come to ICW and they realise what a show can be, do you know what I mean? It's like, even if you weren't a wrestling fan uh, previously, if, uh, if they come to ICW and they realise just... You know what I mean? Generally, how good a night it well, can that, be. And that's great. exactly what happened to me. That's what I was trying to say before I got it yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to say, I didn't get to finish my sentence, but right. I was trying to say, I haven't watched wrestling since I was 14, but then I came an ICW gig and it blew me away, which is uh, what I was trying to right, say. Right. But I, I didn't get, I think I did finish my sentence, but before no one heard it. You. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> heard it. Should have done it that way, didn't you? But yeah, because I remember, I think it was Renfrew messaged me saying, can we use your tune over here in the West End for the entrance music and I was like yeah absolutely amazing and then they invited me down a couple of times and I just kept on missing it it was a Sunday Aye. we were usually playing gigs Friday, Saturday, Sundays and a little bit of write off for me yeah. in those days um, but I went and it was just such a buzz hearing their tune coming through and the guys were getting booed who's at the West End kind of guys oh, I forget the name uh, they came in over. They came in over here. Dicky Divers, maybe. Yeah, uh, Dicky Divers. Yeah. And what was the other one? It was a tag team. Uh, at that point, yeah, Dicky Divers would have been uh, the New Age Click. Man. No, before that, I think it was before the Click. I'll have. A oh wait, uh, the of course the S. <laughs> Yeah, the SDI. SDI, that's exactly the one. Superior talent initiative, that's what it was. Of course, the Bucky Boys feuded with them for quite a while. Yeah, SDI, that was it. And they obviously were getting booed, but they came coming out to our tune getting booed, and we were just getting, took my friend out. We were just, we were. I think we'd been at a party, and we just came out and went, oh, Chris, just go and check out. And that was the same time they'd done the street fight where someone get their head off a double-decker bus outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it was like a suplex. Well, no, it was just a kind of, yeah. kind of playful. Yeah. But just that, I was like, this is chaos, man. I was I was like, that is that is brilliant. I don't think they do that very often these days. Um, street fights. So. The, 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 they've done it. They've, do, they've done it a couple of times, the kind of street fight. Uh, there friends. must be some legal issues with that. There, de- there definitely is. Um, I was talking to Dallas the other day, actually, about how uh, one of his first shows up in Maryhill. In fact, maybe the first show, one of the first shows certainly in Maryhill. Um, they were forced to kind of, that became almost like a kind of ICW staple doing that kind of street fight thing. But the first time they did it is because like the, the ring broke somehow, like, the ropes broke right. before the main event. So he was kind of forced to improvise and go out, like brawl, brawl it to the street <laughs> manner, And then it became, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it became known for that uh, to the point where like, I've seen kind of recent stories in the papers about how obviously Drew's got to race with Mania. But I think it was maybe Glasgow Live going like that, um, who was there when he 
actually had a street fight on Mary Hill Road with Rhino for the title. <laughs> I remember that, man. It's like, yeah, that's quite odd that the guy that's now going to be main event in WrestleMania had an actual match in Mary Hill Road <laughs> only a few years ago. <laughs> I was, I, so, what was, do, you, do you do stand-up comedy under your own name? As well, or do you usually stick to the wee man? I do, and I do it more now. It's for like a kind of, I kind of, not outright stock, but I kind of certainly. You've been trying to stop for a while. Well, I, <laughs> it's I, it's just, like, it sounds like me quitting smoking. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like you might be joking, but like shit like that is addictive. So it's like you ah, stop yeah, performing whatever it is you do, and then after a while you start jonesing, man. You're like, and oh, also, man, like, I start buzzing. You, 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 uh, the character's so well known that you must just. You try and stop it and then you just get offered something good and you're just Well that's the thing, I mean it's like I never I made a point to like never completely kill it off kind of thing. Uh, and even if I've done videos that I'm making a joke about that and stuff, like I've ended the the video with me going like oh, was the money like kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so they, you know, never say never, you know what I mean? But uh, in terms of doing stand up stuff, like I've been gigging more and more under more name and I'm kinda it's a case of right now I'm trying to kinda just write more material. Is that, kinda more honest comedy way festival, of, is that is that what you're doing this time? Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, gigs that I'm doing uh, so I'm hosting a comedian rap battles night of champions at a stand Monday I'm just going to plug shit now <laughs> this the plug part yeah, man cool. it's, it's, it was half and, halfway into it so th- yeah. we're not expecting the adverts no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Monday the 16th of March and I'm doing an improv show with Billy Kirkwood at Mango Sockey Hall Street on the 27th of March and uh, not part of the comedy festival, but I'm in a play at the Armadillo on April 4th called Singing I'm No Billy. He's a Tim too. Okay, let's break that host. down for the... For, so, first one's the rap battles. Yeah. So, who's who's battling? Uh, so, just to fill in the list, so it's rappers versus comedians. It's, it's not, that's one. No, actually, it's not. To, no, this is, uh, this is comedians rap battles, so it's like comedians versus comedians. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I had traditionally at the comedy festival every year been doing... Rappers versus comedians, and that's how I kind of started that concept, and that's what I was always into. Uh, I just always liked the idea of kind of two kind of slightly separate worlds clashing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like folk who aren't that well known to each other, and you can avoid too many in jokes that way. You know what I mean? Too too much kind of. That's in. why the comedians always win. Well, <laughs> I've noticed. With, I, I mean, usually not in every case, but I've noticed. Every time I've I've tuned into any of these, it, it just seems like. Either the rappers aren't of good enough quality, or they've missed the whole point and they've, they've trying to. They're coming coming across like maybe it's because the comedians are underdogs technically in that world. I don't know why it is. You, but you'd kind of you'd kind of think so with with the concept that like all oh, rappers will win that and stuff. But I was surprised in the first place to see it kind of go comedians that way. Are just funny. I think that's what it is. So what also is, they're not trying to rap well. They're just coming out with belters of a line. Well, they're going for the joke. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So like comedians are attuned to going for the laugh. So everything is running up to a punchline that happens to rhyme. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the rappers. Uh, might be going more for like the or they're used Technical to be, being, yeah, exactly being judged on their flow and stuff and their rhythm. So, you, if you watch it, like the rappers have got more of a rhythm and a kind of musical quality to it, but the comedians are just so used to like writing, like, this is where the punchline hits here, kind of thing. So, then that gets the laugh. And with 
those shows with a comedy audience, obviously the laugh's going to win every time. Like the, the audience aren't necessarily going to grade it on well, that guy had better rhymes or a better flow and stuff. It's, it's just like always universally yeah. going to be like, that guy had more laughs. So, so I think just like naturally comedians are going <laughs> to get more kind of laughs that way. It annoys me, man. I, know, I just I just want I want to see a rapper destroy a comedian. It's, I would love to see it. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like real, but I, I mean, it has, it, has, happened. it has happened. Case one. Case one, uh, oh, yeah. case one uh, <laughs> he just come in full pelt yeah he 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 beat uh, Ray Bradshaw doing it and they were both really good don't get me wrong yeah uh, but case one uh, was yeah he was particularly good that night uh, and there's, there's been other ones where if if not the comedians outright won and it has been close what was the kind of there's a doubles one I put on one time uh, one of my personal favourites it was uh, Weedy and Mako I think right, yeah. Versus well, they, You've got veterans there Oh they were f- Fucking brilliant uh, Versus uh, Roscoe McClelland And Ross McClelland It was the two oh. McClellans And that was That was so close They were both so good And I was enjoying it so much That I just went like You know what Just keep going <laughs> And I just made them freestyle But they were, they were Again just excellent At the freestyling part and... Weedy's been doing it For so long man He's I think I can imagine him Translating very well To a comedy audience he, as well, nah, like, He's genuinely funny He's one of the standouts Of like yeah. he's He's he, he's aiming for the punchline And he's Do you know what I mean It's leading up to He kind of gets it Even that his way. normal battles Would work on a comedy crowd Definitely And I've seen it happen uh, In fact One of my favourites if, if not my actual complete favourite not only of rappers versus comedians but just all the ones I've witnessed where uh, it was uh, Weedy versus Bruce Morton uh, Bruce Morton a kind of veteran yeah. of the stand-up world now this, this is the, the, the greater Shawlands Republic yes exactly yeah. um, and like does a lot of shit man he's like sports Frankie Boyle right now on tour and was just in the last still game show at the Hydro and stuff so uh, yeah he's a busy guy man so I was well chuffed uh, to be able to set up that battle with him and Bruce Morton. That was like a, a perfect kind of representation of like two worlds clashing. And just even to look at it, I'm like, even to look at this, <laughs> it's funny, man, because it's like Bruce Morton, he's a big lanky, he's a big lanky guy and Weedy, we obviously, you know what Weedy yeah. looks like and stuff. So even just to look at it, man. Also, you, 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 beat, Lo- you beat Loki, which I'll, I'll be honest, that, that surprised me. I, I think was... it, su- it surprised me. <laughs> it surprised everyone. Uh, Darlin sent me some of his his lines before it, and it, it, it looked like he was going to. He didn't eat. use them. Last no, time. It just I think I think it just maybe caught him in a bad day. I think I think I think it was in sort of too early on in his recovery, and he just because possibly because he just <laughs> I'm not taking it away from you by the way. You did you did brilliant, but just just that way where he was like he didn't seem to have the 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 anger and the hatred that he had. It, was, it was very. I mean. It's like to say laid back is yeah. under, not not laid back's the wrong word, do you know what I mean? But just kind of stoic almost. Like yeah. I wanted, yeah, certainly I wanted, uh, hoped for kind of more fire out of him and yeah. stuff. And I think it was maybe a case, I talked to him after it and all that. And it was maybe a case of like, so we went, went on last doing that. So he'd been sitting at the front the whole time. And I think he was quite surprised by how well the comedians were doing. And uh, yeah, maybe he just didn't take it as maybe with the. the the respect it probably you know didn't take it I think, seriously. I think maybe. it just like like a lot of people do um, underestimated um, how much the comedians were going to bring to it and how much work they and were going to put in it. So it can maybe get more matches. Atmosphere as well. So, yeah, kind of. So if you're um, if you're coming from the battle world with all your experience, you're now going into a totally different environment in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, like it's I was saying, a, it's like a, a comedy audience, it's and it's set up audience, like a comedy totally gig. So you've you've not got that kind of in the round thing with just folks around you. And it is, it's like a different who vibe. Would, who so. would be your um, your ideal battle rapper that you'd love to just get on the show if you could? 
Um, so back in the day when I started running them, actually, um, for the Common Festival and whatnot, I got in touch with O'Shea. Yeah, uh, the Scouse guy, man, he's like, for, he, is very, he, would work, he would work a treat. He, uh, he's hilarious, man, yeah. like guys like that. Um, he's he's maybe up there with one of the kind of top guys. Just like, it's been, just been so consistent laugh. over the years. Oh, it's so it's so funny, man. Um, did you see the one he did in Glasgow recently, though? He, he did the recently, same round yeah. again, it was about a year ago or something. He played Iron Bars, that's McKenzie's battle rap thing, yeah. And he said someone spiked his drink or something because he did the same round over again, he did the same round again. Oh, like one after ah, another. One after I another right? That's that's. <laughs> he's such an experienced guy. Like, <laughs> this is not. I mean, for anyone knows it, I say check him out. He's just like been doing this stuff for many, many years, and he just did the same, the same rap wow. again. And Who he says was it, that against? I, do you know what? I can't remember if, if it was against Jinx or Jinx was just shouting a lot in the background, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which he does tend to do from time to time. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I say great. Well, any other battle rappers? You, uh, there's like so a couple of guys, Marlow and Shuffle T, kind of do the, oh, the yeah. doubles. The ones. doubles, aye. They kind of do the doubles ones. There's something about them though. Uh, they're quite. I think part of the kind of gimmick almost is that they're not what you think of when you think like battle rappers or just rappers in general. They're like two quite posh guys for like yeah. way down south and stuff. But kind of what's their favour when they when oh, they do kind of well, battles? They're, like they're te- technically brilliant though. Yeah. Um, some of their ones I think are cracking. Uh, uh, who else, man? Is it to- it's Tony D? Miguel? Tony D, to- yeah, Tony yeah. D, man. He's fucking. He is good. Uh, he's one of the top guys, man. Like. No doubt, no doubt. So that's the f- so that's on Monday. So if people want to check out comedians versus comedians, that's on. Uh, Monday the sixteenth of March. Sixteenth of March. Right. Right. We'll make sure to get it out before then. Hey, <laughs> no worries. So well, yeah, we need to be we need to be quick on that. Um, <laughs> and where's that? Uh, at the stand. Comedy at the stand. Club. At the stand. Comedy um, club. Woodlands and Woods. Then the second one was the second one of them. Uh, that's an improv show with Billy Cutwood. Billy Cutwood's hilarious. Ah, he's brilliant, man. Uh, I love particularly doing improv shows with him. We did a show. We've done a show together, kind of, for the last few years at the comedy festival, and we've, we've kind of done various wee sketches, or we stand up bits and characters and stuff. And I think at the end of the last show last year, um, we ended with like maybe twenty minutes or so of improv. And I think I even said on stage, we just should have just done that for the whole show. <laughs> that was <very laughs> fun. So it turns out we are just doing that for the whole show. So, Brilliant. yeah. So, how was with improv? Like, how, how does it ever go bad? Because um, obviously, you've got, because obviously, there's no doubt that you've got skillful people, funny people. Uh, it's, it's usually funny, but can it just go a bit shit? It, I mean, it, it certainly can do, but the, the the good thing about improv is uh, you can you can change that up yeah. in the ne- in the next few seconds after and you can that. You just say that shit. It's not working. And that, exactly, and folk folk kind of go with that, and like um, there's more like an organic feeling to it with that, where you, you can literally turn it around. And I suppose I mean, a minute, like a, cr- a comedy crowd's there for comedy, so yeah. they're going to they're going to go with you. They want they, they want it to be funny. They want to enjoy themselves and stuff. Um, which is you know what I mean it's kind of slightly different doing stand up where you've got or even if you're doing a sketch if you've got like written material and then within a minute it's not going well and you're kind of like well I'm kind of stuck in doing this yeah. I can't just suddenly go let's play an improv game do you know what I mean yeah, you so. can't you can't really just change up your personality yeah exactly but with improv you can just say wait I'm a new guy yeah exactly just change the character completely. I think like with doing improv the worst thing the worst way it can go is if you kind of clam up basically like the thing about improv is you don't necessarily need to keep thinking I need to make this funny I need to keep that make, keep making this funny and stuff it's just about reacting and, it's, and then stuff will and come it's to inherently that. stupid anyway yeah. so it's yeah. funny 
Exactly. Just the whole idea of it. It's got, it kind of taps into the, the, you know, being a kid and just having fun. It's, yeah, exactly. No, it, is, it has got that kind of childlike energy. Just, let's, let's just stand-up. play. Yeah. <laughs> let's just have a fucking laugh. Yeah, and it is the kind of thing we, like, I've done improv shows with kids as well. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's almost kind of more fun. I've done stand-up for kids and I've done improv shows for kids. kids come but... up with the psychedelic ideas. Oh, no, like, <laughs> amazingly, it's like, honestly, just getting kids to shout out suggestions for stuff is, is going to be immediately funny, no matter what. I mean, much, much more so than dealing with adults that way. It's like, when I do kids, I've done kids' comedy, sometimes go out with, like, a sheet of paper and I'll draw a cartoon of a new super, superhero that I make up based on their suggestions. And some of the mad shit they'll come up with, it's just like, I've done that with kids and adults. And just like the kids are way funny at it. Like, it's, it's bizarre. I, I see, I've seen a good uh, survey about that. It was like in the out the box thinking, apparently, if, right up to the. As if you ask, like, um, all these tests you do, maybe two or three year old, it just slowly gets stamped out of people as, as kids as they get older. I think, aye. But everyone's apparently, you know, you know, right, you know, we always say we've all got, we know people or artists are like really good at thinking out the box. We think that's like a kind of you know, quite an unusual, unique quality, but apparently we all have it growing up and it just kind of gets, it doesn't really work in the school world. No, I reckon, I reckon so. Like, uh, not get too pretentious about it and that, but like, a, like you're saying, like that kind of natural creativity yeah, kind of gets like gradually stamped out by well, just not, authority and rules. It doesn't get rewarded. And, it doesn't get rewarded. Yeah, kind of. Um, no, I totally, I totally agree with that. And I'm like, I'm constantly trying to, like I'm always thinking to myself like I wish I was as imaginative and as creative as I was when I was like five do you know what I mean why can't I just I used to do, draw pages and pages of comic strips and all that which I think my ma has now chucked it <laughs> it's like I've got books I had books full of just like original characters and comic strips that I'd made and I think every time I go home um, my ma will just well, no, I'll chuck that out <laughs> still doing well compared to the average I mean I'm just thinking that I was cycled and I was like the amount of work you have to put in to avoid real work is ridiculous. Yeah. No, <laughs> absolutely, man. Um, I was just thinking, why, why is it? What, what? I mean, it is literally you put in more work than you would if you just did a, a normal job. But I think it comes down to just not people telling you what to do, especially yeah. people that you don't respect telling you to do a thing that's probably wrong. Yeah. It's that, really difficult. I was thinking about that the day, actually, where... Um, do you know what I mean? You do, you do your best to, in, in life, avoid... Having someone to answer, someone to answer to, and then I've realised that like if you do that, it just turns out that you've got more people to answer to somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like because there's no like well other shit I do, there's no like, defined boss of me. But then with various things, if I'm submitting shit to the BBC or whoever else, then you find out there's actually more bosses that way. That like anything you do, everything has to get cleared by someone higher up, and then someone in a different department down south fucking. Yeah, if you want, nah, if you want paid that, properly. Exactly, man. You weren't paid properly. Yeah, man. Luckily, I've managed to avoid getting paid properly. Uh, but uh, the, the, you are actually doing. The, but what is what's the sorry? What's the show you write for the now? Uh, breaking news. I write breaking for quite news. a lot. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, like kind of written for various things and stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, breaking news is uh, the kind of longest standing one that I've kind of written for. I guess just like kind of topically, you know, like Scottish have I get news for you basically. Yeah. Uh, on radio and TV. On radio right now. They do a, a series on radio and then do a series on TV, which always catches me on the wheels because uh, so then it halves my money. <laughs> so There's less get... money in radio, it turns out. <laughs> that's no... no uh, tell me about it. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> We're a radio show that's not even on the radio. Well, 
But so you're so that's so it's so it's the battle rap one, the improv one, and what's the third one? Uh, aye, so it's a player man. Uh, singing I'm not Billy, he's a Tim part two at the Armadillo on April the fourth. So we did a tour of it last year. Uh, around a bit kind of autumn, we went around a lot kind of smaller theatres, uh, a few bigger theatres as well. It was quite taken aback in Scotland. And uh, now we're doing the Armadillo. Uh, we'd started at the Pavilion. We did a couple of runs there a few years ago, uh, but we kind of changed the show up. Were you were you in the first one? Yeah, I've never been in the first, like, saying I'm not Billy. He's a Tim, like, the first one that's been about for years now. I've seen it, but I've never, nah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a going a while back. I, I was living in Rutherglen. I remember seeing it at the chip shop and advert for it. Mm-hmm. That was ages ago. Hi. So I don't know if that, if that um, helps your show any, but I've seen it advertised in a, a chip shop I mean, that, 10 years ago. Des Dillon wrote that first one in like, the 80s, I think, like the late Isn't 80s. It? And then I think there'd been a production of it and then it kind of sat dormant and then get it just, taken I just think it's up. quite... The, the whole the idea of just a Celtic fan, a Rangers fan, being in, in a jail cell, is that how it started? Uh, yeah, so it's in a jail cell in the first one and then in the sequel... And that's when I'm in. They're in the kind of medical room of a football stadium. It's never clarified what football stadium is because of <laughs> with it, a lot of the crowds you get in at these shows, like the Billy and Tim shows, if you said it was an Ibrox, a bunch of the audience might walk it. Do you know what I mean? You never know what's going to happen. So you never kind of, never uh, well, that, pledge no, that, allegiance no, either way. Absolutely. It's, like it's, a, it's a dangerous game, game because. It's, it's interesting, man. You go to different places and different jokes or lines get different reactions. Do you know what I mean? So, like, the Ra- the Rangers fight, like, Bally will make a, a joke about Celtic and you'll get a crowd in one town going, Rah! and then it'll get booed the, the next <laughs> night somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? It's really, really strange. Well, the thing is, I suppose it's attracting a lot of football fans to go. And if you're a hardcore football fan, you know, it's, you know, we, you, in Glasgow, if you ask for a lighter, they'll say... What colour? Because because yeah. they don't, you know, you know, they'll know they'll know not to give you a blue one in case you're a Celtic fan or a, a green lighter. Because some people are like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely, man. In um, fact, there's you know what was it? Is it uh, Lark Hall? It's got the blue Asda. Aye, the Asda sign in the blue subway. Aye, because the, the green kept on getting smashed. Yep, Lark Hall's maybe the yeah kind of worst for it. If that's the right way to say it, like my my sister lives in London. And she was up a while ago, uh, went to like a, a, a bar, a restaurant, whatever, in Lark Hall with my dad. And uh, she asked for a straw for her, for her juice. And they went like, oh yeah, we can get you a straw. I was like, oh, I'm really sorry, we've only got green straws left. Are you sure you want to take this one? And she's like, eh, aye. <laughs> so, and my so dad was like, like oh, welcome back to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that shopkeeper's probably had a really bad experience. Uh, no, like, that's the thing, like, he might have these windows tanned for I'm giving sorry. someone a green straw. Like, you never fucking know, man. Yeah, so it's, it's so the Glasgow Comedy Festival actually had the, I actually picked up a flyer for it. I seen last night, so I picked one up. Is um is there anything else we should be checking out at? Oh, I don't know about this. Oh yeah, here. Is there anything else? Have we, oh, what we having a wee look at that? Dan Connell's joined. Just he was on the show last time. Yes, although I uh, I don't know how much. Yeah, I might as well. Talk about it. He's actually he's not doing the Armadillo show now. No, unfortunately, now nah, no. I was gutted to. Uh, um, I mean, you need to ask Darwin, I suppose, for the kind of exact kind of reason and stuff. But it was like, I did kind of th- it did occur to me for the start that like Darwin has never been on the show before. Yeah, and we're going to be rehearsing it and stuff, obviously, before the Armadillo. But even at that, um, 
I think it's quite kind of deep end stuff. Going like that, we'll rehearse for a while, and then your first performance of this in front of people is in front of potentially a few thousand people at yeah. Armadillo. You know, he so did, he did, he did say that he wasn't sure how, yeah, he did say like he didn't know. Yeah. It was like, it was kind of like, oh, it'll be fine. It was sort of, uh, it'll be all right. It'll it's it's, it's a shame, man. Like, but I, I, I was really looking forward to doing the show with Darren. I love Darren, but. Uh, I do understand why he can he's also got, got a new, he's got the new Scott squad thing coming up as well, won't he? Yeah, I mean he's going to be busy. busy. Otherwise, he's, he's, I don't think he's going to be struggling on that, and he'll be fine. But um, also another thing, I don't think this was any, any reasoning behind them pulling out or whatever. But <laughs> right at the start when he got cast, um, uh, there was a few kind of uh, reservations. I guess well, reservations might be the wrong word, but like so traditionally in Billy and Tim. Uh, they've always had a Rangers fan playing the Billy and a Celtic fan playing the Tim. Right. Whereas in this one, this would have been the first time where Darren, being a Celtic fan, would have been playing Billy. Oofed. So it's like that weird way to me. Like, I'm not, do you know what I mean? I'm not a big football fan. Like I'm not. Morris Johnson stuff. Uh, yeah, that's like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me, but apparently like, that would wind up. The first Catholic to play for Rangers kind of thing. It's that's how dangerous. It's like that, man. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Some hardcore. I'm not a Billy, he's a Tim fan. They've been watching it since the start, going, no, this will only do it. Yeah, I saw, him tweet, I saw him tweet about Celtic, so nah, nah, I'm returning my tickets. Can I hang so this I mean? is fake. It's it's, not the exactly. This is fake. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is weird, isn't it? It's like, yeah, he's an actor playing a part, but apparently, uh, apparently that's not cool. You need to support the same team as your character. Oh, so, <laughs> how's, how does uh, how's it feel to, to see doing the play? So, you, so, so that's the complete opposite improv, because you've got your... You've got your your script written by someone else, so how does that how does that feel? Um, well, no, I mean there is the, the uh, I have the script written and stuff, but there's elements of improv. Um, not to take any away for Des Dillon who wrote the script, you know, initially, but um, a lot of the things um, he knows himself. A lot of things in the final show now have come from us improvising and rehearsal and stuff. Oh, he'll be happy with that. And uh, yeah, no, he, he like actually when we were doing the show with Des, kind of directing it at the pavilion and stuff, he was. He's kind of well known for that when you improvise a wee hang during rehearsal, and he'll go, "Ah, keep that in," kind of hang. So then, by the end, when you're on stage in front of people, a lot, a lot of it is just stuff that happened to be funny that day in rehearsal, and you're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, it's actually made that bit better." Um, so that's kind of where it's at now. Where like the kind of, I honestly reckon it's improved. It's gradually improved every time we've done it. Where throughout that last tour we did, I think it got better throughout the whole run. So hopefully. At the Armadillo, we've got the kind of best possible version of that show. I genuinely reckon by the end, it was it was the best possible kind of version of it. And even very occasionally, you improvise wee bits on stage in front of like an audience. And like Chris, who's playing Tim, uh, is kind of currently producing it and directing it. And now he'll be like, "Yeah, I really like that. I got a good reaction. Like, keep that in." Um, for instance, there's like one wee bit that he. I'm off stage at this point, but he introduced and he one of his wee monologues. Uh, I don't want to spoil it and stuff, but it's a kind of very uh, kind of slapsticky Jim Carrey kind of uh, <laughs> uh, kind of performance performance. But that he introduced kind of halfway through the run, yeah, he put a wee punchline on that, and it's, so it's like one of the biggest laughs in the show. I'm just like, I can't believe that wasn't in it for the start, man. That's like a proper punchline in that monologue, man. So yeah, it just keeps improving every time we do it. So yeah, it's it's I suppose it's like doing the You've got the security blanket of a script, so you're going on. Aye. Do you do you do you do you ever struggle to remember your lines, or is it just does it just get ingrained? 
Uh, with that, I mean, I don't want to knock and wood, man. I don't want to tempt anybody in front of about 3,000 people at my middle or whatever. But, uh, uh, no, nah, with that show in particular, I think um, I've, I've, I've been quite good at, like, well, just, get it on. Yeah, let's not, let's not talk about it anymore because it's just setting yourself up there, isn't it? I don't. <laughs> but, yeah, I suppose well, people always say, like, you know, I, I remember my, my dad gave me a Jack O'Trade show a few years ago. He's like, he'd never seen me do Jack O'Trades. He's like, how do you remember all the things? That's something a lot of people say that. How do you remember yeah. all those words? And especially poets, a lot of poets, they, they read from their thing. And they're like, how do you remember? It's just, and it is just boring. It's just practice. It doesn't mean, it's not a, super, a superpower. You just yeah. need to actually repeat it over and over again. And I, then, and then it becomes like muscle memory, I reckon, as yeah. well. Like doing something like that. Um, Quite often, the kind of physical actions you're doing then is like a kind of cue for, and for knowing what's coming you're, next. And it's you're bouncing off someone else as well, so you, they're saying something to you, and you're like, "Well, what would the character do?" Oh, I know what the yeah. character does and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I've never really done it. I've done um, primary school. <laughs> I think so. Last time I did that. Uh, I did what that was bit. it in primary school? I was, a, I was, um, I was. I think I was a wise man. <laughs> I was a late wise man. Artaban. The late wise man. Right. So he was like the fourth wise man. He turned up. The late. fourth wise man. Yeah, aye. What's this reboot? So, reboot. Of the <laughs> fucking... <laughs> well, um, it was a. I think because timekeeping's never been a great skill of mine. A right. strong, not my strongest asset. So I get <laughs> cast as the late wise man. I never even. Is that a real thing in the like biblical story? There's a fourth wise man. N- no. No. Somebody. Somebody wrote it. It's not. It's not in the Bible. Right. No. It's a. It's a. It's a thing. It's, I don't actually know. I'm going to Google it. I'm sure someone else done it. Maybe it was just a teacher. Right. Maybe a rogue teacher's like, I've wrote this piece. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But um, I've, 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 I would quite, I quite like the idea of acting, but it's good that you've, that the, you know, that they're up for a bit of ad lib and stuff because I think that you, when you, no matter how good you write a character, once you actually cast someone, they become that character yeah. and they're going to have their own wee bits that they want to add in. And it's all what I always find really funny is like it's, doing spoken word is, do you ever just say, a, is there just a line, a throw a line that's for some reason really funny that all the crowd love but isn't actually any good and it, it wouldn't work. It's just not funny. So in spoken word, so something I find like a lot of the good lines just kind of go over people's heads or they just don't react to it. Aye. And then you just say something that's not very good Aye. but for some reason people just love it. Oh, aye. I mean... Why is that? Why does that happen? Fuck knows, man. I wish I could work out why that happens, but, I mean, that's definitely, like, a big, big, uh, kind of hanging stand-up or, like, doing sketch comedy, whatever. Like, I'll write down, I'll write down what I think is the best joke, the cleverest fucking joke I've ever come up with. I'm like, oh, man, this is... Oh, I'm so proud of this. And then it'll die in its arse. You'll just play <laughs> Like, it just doesn't translate to whatever you had in your head does not translate to other people listening to it, whereas like one we throw away thing that you just you personally rolled your eyes at, you're just like whatever, and then that becomes like the main that becomes the main bit that gets around the applause and stuff. You just could never really hard to judge that until it's like it's impossible to judge stuff that you're writing down until you've got it in front of other people. Do you know what I mean? It's like maybe it's like a release valve. Wait, it's you've because you've put in so much good work that no one's reacting to before it that it just somehow just saying something. Aye. And just people, I don't know. But I think it's like across the board, man. Even in terms of, it's like videos that I'll have done online or whatever. Um, 
like I'll do, I'll do a video that I'll fucking work really hard on, and it's like, oh, this is recording a track with Tony Smoke, and like, I've worked hard and doing <laughs> these words, or fucking, or like focal, focal work and special effects for it, or focal, like, really put time in and editing, and then I'll put it up, and it, like, gets, fuck all, it gets a few thousand views, and then I'll do a video that's like 10, 10 seconds of me. Dressed up with a Mickey Mouse hat on, <laughs> and fucking it's two million views, and you're like, ah, we just filmed that with an iPhone. Did you bring your coronavirus mask with you? I have. Aye, oh, good, good. Well, we could maybe do the photo for yeah, the yeah. for the the promo. This is the the famous screen. Right, Ash has been he's been slowly ironing it for years. It's starting to look really good. He just does a wee bit ironing every now and then, and he's just sort of building up. But it's starting to look good. Yeah. Actually, your photos are great. That's a that's a thing I'd like to talk about. You you do a photo when you meet someone famous, uh, and you look raging to meet them. Just for bringing that up, man. Like them, they were. I think it's good. I've ever written. I'm I'm kind of probably prouder well, of those the, ones the, then. The, 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 <laughs> The secret to comedy is repetition. That's the thing, man. I it's just, like I said, Limited Day, he put up uh, uh, Check Out, Get Lucky, it's the sound of the summer. And I retweeted it because it's so funny. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it gets funnier and funnier. Yeah, yeah kind of. Uh, but yours, that's, what I, that's what I think about your pictures. It, it gets funnier, the, especially as you've got, you know, you're, you're, you're meeting more and more famous people. So you get, you've got, so who, have you, who have you got to do those photos? Uh, some of my favourites. I think maybe my favourite one. Uh, in terms of being it was like a brand new guy and stuff was Fat Boy Slim and just the experience of it because <laughs> yeah. uh, I met it was at Rock Ness I've heard good things about him that's good to hear he's brand he's new man yeah. he's, he's a nice guy Zoe Ball I've heard it was good crack as well right aye yeah. um, so it was kinda, I was doing stand up at Rock Ness that year uh, so I'm back and the performers the kind of VIP section whatever taking a piss I'm in the kind of public toilet bit and then I noticed that uh, Fat Boy Slim is next to me taking a piss and uh, I don't want to go into too much detail here, but I'm mad with it, right? <laughs> so I'm not in the best way. And I got this vibe for him that I was like, like he knew that I was like, oh, holy shit, that's fuck boy Slim taking a piss next to me. Right? And so he was like washing his hands and kind of trying to get out of there because he knew what was coming. He knew I was going to yeah. ask him for a photo. So I came up to him and I was like, mate, sorry, can I get a photo of you? And I could tell he was just like, yeah, whatever. And, but then when I went like to him, but instead of smiling in the photo, can you just like look disappointed to meet me and off into the distance instead of the camera he's like yeah yeah and he seemed to be more into it that way and that was one of my favourite ones because he just he knew exactly what he was doing and then after we took the photo he, he was like I can have a look at that mate and then I had a wee look and he was like ah oh, I love it I like your style mate and walked away uh, you, so you could tell with him particularly like initially he's like not up for it because he's you know what I mean probably fed up with folk getting photos with him but then when you go like that just don't bother smiling just look past off then folk are into it I've noticed that yeah. with a few folk I've had photos with that they actually want to see the photo afterwards it must be a pain in the ass when you're that famous you know I, I've noticed that you know even like Nicholas Sturgeon like practically half of my Facebook has Aye. met Nicholas Sturgeon That's... and got a selfie out where and it just like you know and, and it's just not even like you know she's a politician but just like, you know, whoever the young folk are into these days, the yeah. pop stars. Must be no, she's, she's quite she's quite shrewd that way, like getting all the selfies and stuff. But she is actually, she's maybe top in my list. Maybe not quite top, in this country certainly. Uh, one of the tops in my list, I want to get a selfie with her and see... If I convince, uh, if I can convince her to not smile, if I can convince Nicola Sturgeon, like, it. can you frown and look off? Uh, because for her, it might she might be thinking, oh, like, but for my public image and stuff, I need to smile for people selfies I and don't that. Know, I've seen so her doing a, a, a couple man. of comedy skits before. I think I think she yeah, she, Definitely. she seems like she's got a really good sense of humour. I, so I think you would get. Her, I mean, obviously, 
everyone has a bad day because at the end of the day, it's bad enough you're asking someone for a selfie. Never mind giving uh, them instructions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I reckon I, Nicola, if you're listening. Yeah, hopefully, man. There's been there's been a couple that like. Um, they've just naturally I felt bad afterwards because they've naturally went into their kind of smile for the selfie yeah, and, and I'm looking past that because it looks like I don't give a shit about them and they're being all nice and stuff and <laughs> yeah um, tune the fat guys as well you had them didn't you uh, Ford I've had Ford Kiernan and I've never it's that way I kind of I'm not going to say I'm like close pals in, but I kind of know Greg so it's yeah. like it'd be weird at this point going like can I get a selfie with you so like yeah. well why are you saying that now? But uh, Ford Kiernan, the kind of first time I met him, uh, it was he was one of the coolest as well because I brought up that idea. I was like, "Can you look uh, just like past off and like look off in the distance?" He was one of the first ones to be like, uh, uh, "No, I'll tell you what we're gonna do." <laughs> uh, and then he came up with his own plan. Uh, like he was writing a sketch, man. I fucking loved it. He was like, uh, "We'll do one." So we did like every variation. It's like we'll do one where I'm pissed off and you're happy. We'll do one where I, we're both pissed off. We'll do one where we're both happy and we'll do one where you're pissed off and I'm happy. So literally, I got oh, at his behest, I got four selfies with him at the one time. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of yeah, it was quite kind of humbling experience getting four kilos. Like I've seen your idea and I'm gonna make it better. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, we're going back to uh, the, oh, by the way, we've got shout outs to Dan Connell. He's playing the stand on the 13th and the 14th of March. If you want to check that out. Is there any other Scottish comedians that we should be checking out? I mean, all of them. <laughs> I can't. It's that way when folk ask me that, I, yeah. feel, I feel bad bringing anyone up because then I'm like, oh, well, what about yeah, the people I'm excluded? Like, music I'm... as well. You just, like, you start naming a yeah. couple. You want to name a few and then before you know it, you've, you've, you've left out. You, you start, you, yeah, after the fact, you start getting guilty about who you've, who you've so mentioned. So as a result, just going to so... tell us none. Just all <laughs> the Scottish fans. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I mean CMB for like for one hand Chris MacArthur Boyd oh, yeah, stand right. like you mentioned Dan but we CMB uh, he's just it's been good to watch him because I, I remember him playing gigs just like little gigs years and years ago yeah. he was always really good but he was always a work in progress and then you, see, you I don't see, I'm not really right in the comedy scene but I love it I do I do go it's when I can and just when you you know so I don't see him for like a year or two and then you go back and see him he's just been so much better just, oh aye he's always good but he's just it's, just, it's polished you know what I mean no definitely man and um, him as well I was like I'm, I'm quite chuffed to have been I would say one of the first ones to but one of the first ones to put him on at the stand regularly because um, I think he'd been gigging through well and he was getting a few spots five minutes here and there at the stand but they weren't really looking at him that intently uh, but I was always just like this wee guy's really funny man he's really fucking talented uh, so I wanted to keep putting him on at my show uh, the kind of monthly show at the stand to be kind of like uh, I think folk at the stand like the staff should should see him and give feedback and get him more gigs and stuff and I'm do you know what I mean I'm quite chuffed that he's he's mentioned me in interviews and stuff being like uh, if the fact that I pushed him and stuff I think kind of accelerated him and getting end up getting his own solo shows there and stuff so yeah I'm quite happy of that we. I've had that wee role in his kind of ascent. Yeah, amazing, you know I mean? man. Amazing. Because he just, I think he, I think he will go places because he just seems to be really into it and just genuinely funny, just a character. Do you know what I mean? Just, and I think that's the probably secret stand up in it. It's like whether you're playing a character or you are a character, you've just got to be something that is yeah. instantly recognisable. Like you, you are, you are something interesting. Yeah, he's also it's like a lot of common ground with him as well in terms of interests. Like he's well into his hip hop. And uh, well, and he's like wrestling as well, like very kind of obscure yeah. detailed stuff. I noticed that, like putting him on at a stand, 
uh, where he'd start like referencing I'd put, I'd put on kind of backing beats for do you know what I mean like the battles whatever and he'd like oh it's like oh Jay, Jay Diller rest in peace and all that I'm like you're the first person that I've recognised that's a Jay Diller beat <laughs> do you know what I mean uh, so enough respect for stuff like that, it's, well, I mean you, you are a hip hop fan I mean you've actually I, I think you've got a bit of criticism before with the com- comedian versus rappers thing in the hip hop scene I think some of the people in the hip hop scene thought you were just taking the piss out of hip hop but I know you that's are actually a, a big hip hop fan. Yeah, yeah. And that's you're trying to actually give it a bit of a, a platform. Yeah, I mean hopefully like I mean, that was kinda of always the intention. Uh so particularly when I started doing those wee sketches with like the, the, the kind of set up rap the battle things. Stop. So the bus stop with Nitty Grits and uh Barber Shop with Case One, the the was trying to think of them all <laughs> like the wee D in the swing park which yeah. is I think is my favourite actually not to need this credit to the other ones but just in terms of everything the rhythm and all that I love that uh, but I, that was kind of my intention is like at, at the point I'd been watching do you know what I mean? I'd been following folk on YouTube or whatever listening in the, wherever it was like SoundCloud and stuff and I'd always been like that uh, why is there not more yeah, spotlight why is there not more attention um, thrown in these kind of, I don't want to say local, but like just, like, when you say Scottish rappers, I'd, I'd notice that even when I'd say hey, Scottish hip-hop fans, I'd bring up Scottish rappers, and they've just got this knee-jerk instinctive thing, at the time anyway, of going like that, Scottish rap, and you're like, but why, you're Scottish, and you love hip-hop, so why are you so instinctively well, against the Scottish well, accent think, rapping? It's weird, mate. Well, yeah, I, I think, I think well, even, in this, even in the Scottish hip-hop scene, there's a lot of people that don't like the word Scotland in it because it's UK hip-hop they see it as. Or there's another argument that there's no such thing. Hip-hop's international, so it's just hip-hop. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, so, and I think just... I mean, it's getting better, but I think the Scottish cringe just made that it's sort of like not worth mentioning the word Scotland because right. there's a Scottish cringe going on where, I don't know if it's, you know, we've talked about it before on this show where it's like, because Scotland for us growing up is Trevor Feastenders. There's <laughs> not, not a lot of Scottish accent role models. We've got Billy Connolly who just retired Aye. today. Yep. There's not that many, um, you know... It just it's got accent seems to be work for poetry and comedy as well. Yeah. But for for some reason when we put a banging beat behind it, we just turn against it. It's strange, man. Um, so hopefully that can be redressed. I think I think it's getting bit. redressed. I think I definitely think the 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 amount of what I'm seeing a lot of the young people now they don't cringe at all because some of these are like third generation hip hop now. So yeah. their father, maybe even their grandfather, listened to Scottish rappers like you know boys. Yeah. Freestyle masters, these guys, yep. these guys have been going for the eighties, the nineties. So now, if you're actually growing up with, it, I mean, for me, I thought I invented Scottish hip hop when I was sixteen. <laughs> before, <laughs> before, I, before I got a, a decent internet signal, um, but you know, when you for for other people, they're actually growing up with that accent, growing up the whole time. So they've done, they've not got a cringe at all. Yeah. And for them, the cringe is to rap in an American accent. And I yeah. Think, and I think, like to me, it's like. There's a very few American. I, I prefer listening to Scottish or even English, good Scottish um, or good English, uh, compared to like you know American stuff that I don't really relate to. Currently, yeah, yeah. I've I've kind of noted that for a while. Uh, even in terms of grime and stuff, when you listen to what they're talking about, when you listen to lyrics, um, it's like for for example, I'm just thinking uh, like I Spy. Be uh, Skepta and Jammer, yeah. so there's a whole like Jam. I love fucking Jammer's verse in that, but he's like he's talking about relatable things, about just like I, I want to get enough money to 
by a good motor. Obviously, <laughs> like, he doesn't say those words, obviously. But it's it's like uh, it's telling that where like you compare that to, do you know what I mean? The stereotype of American hip hop, and they're just just bragging. They're just going like, I've got all these gold records, and I've got this big banging yeah, the motor, moment, and I've got this house. The moment I kind of change from uh, the Fifty Cent. I mean, that's a good example. Yeah. His uh, his his first album was or well, wasn't his first album. It was his Get Rich or Die Trying was his set, kind of his Aye. first real release, major release. And I loved that. I mean, I remember it was, maybe it was because I was young, maybe it was because it was the Eminem hype. I don't know why, but I loved it. And then he, every album after that, I've just found absolute trash. Because yeah. all these songs, were his, his greatest hits of growing up and, you know, the struggle. Aye. And then he's rapping about how much... I really, I'm not paying £15 for a CD for someone to boast about how much money they've got. Exactly, man. That's like... I totally agree, man. That's like kind of what what attracts you to folk like in the first place is is the kind of struggle, is like do you know what I mean? That's what folk relate to. But as soon as they've not got that struggle, you're like, well, what what have you got to be or, or be clever pissed with, off about? You know, or... I mean, I there's nothing wrong with a little bit of boasting from time to time. Yeah, like uh, you know, I think Eminem's got a funny one where he says that he lives in a house with a fucking elevator, Aye. and there's just something funny about that as a boast like he's got he's got an elevator yeah. and he's just. But you know that is funny. It's like you know, and there's nothing wrong with you know Jay Z talking about. That you know how he did that, or he's just a billionaire now, isn't he? Or Dr. Dre mentioned that he's a billionaire, of course. You fair play, yeah, mention it. But I just felt with like 50 Cent's whole thing, his whole stick was just, I am a rich man, yeah, I've got it all, yep, and then I agree, exactly. It gets, <laughs> like, it gets it's, weird, yeah, it's no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really that, in it. I can't, nah. I can't relate, I can't relate at all. But in terms of like you brought up, um, when I like when I first started doing those videos where it was like kind of Scottish rappers and stuff, um, I genuinely wanted to put a spotlight on them in whatever way I could, and it was always I don't know if like the folk might criticised it in the first place, um, might not have been as clear to them as I hoped, but it was meant to be set up and that they beat me, yeah, and in, in the battle, well, well, and, and I was so frustrated that I'd come out with my ninja star or whatever. Uh, so it was always meant to be kind of like y- you should check out who this guy is and that's kind of video and stuff. Um, but it was telling and that like I was talking about like when you when you, when you talk to folk about Scottish hip hop, at least more at the time anyway, folk would just like scoff. Uh, so at the time, I remember I was talking to like a newspaper about and they were kind of going like, that, "Oh, we'd would like to feature this." Uh, sort of thing and maybe the showbiz like a showbiz article but could you convince more famous Scottish rappers to be in it <laughs> so I emailed them back I'm like can you name me some more famous Scottish rappers please I'd love to hear it and they literally they got back to me going like oh I mean if you could convince like Calvin Harris or Paolo Natini to do it I'm like and I didn't even know what to say back I don't think I even replied because I'm like I don't know if you're taking the piss or yeah. that's a genuine like inquiry. What are you fucking talking about? Well, when the has got some bars, I'm sure. Uh, well, well, he, you, he, you know we what I mean? Found, we found him in the bar. I've, I've, I bumped into him at Maggie Mays. All right. He was actually all right. No, I've heard he's, he's brand new. You yeah, know what I mean? I've, I've, heard, I've heard stories either way, but he was actually he seemed sound. Yeah. So he he right. probably could, you know what I mean? If you put a beat, he probably could do it, but just. I think it'd be I think it'd be more of a Nate, I think it'd be more a Nate dog type, you know, getting uh, in for the hook. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, like on the hook. Yeah. I d I don't know if he's got any interest in in hip hop. Uh Calvin Harris, I don't I mean, I don't know. This is uh, probably more unlikely, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just get Calvin Harris in the blow on the bar. I'll yeah. just get Calvin Harris in the beat and Paulinatini on the hook. Yeah. And it was still when they get in the radio. Yeah, we'll film the video in a swing part. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be right up for that. 
The, uh, uh, that, uh, that was, uh, it was a, remember the gig you played, uh, I Booked You For Pivo, and oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a mental gig, uh, man. It was, it was like, you were on Mr. Boys, uh, Jerry Cinnamon. Who was kind, it? Jerry Cinnamon sort of, like, he kind of played, that's uh, so another story for another mm, day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was on, I had no idea he was on that same bill. Yeah, I think he was, yep. Holy shit, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you might not remember much he said because we'll we'll not talk about that. <laughs> moving on, moving on. But the, when when you so when you're playing a gig like that, so you're you're coming in in the middle of musicians <sighs> and you just come in. It's hard, man. <laughs> and uh, I apologise. We'll take this opportunity to apologise now for I. Uh, do you know what I mean? Traditionally, I've always tried to make a point of like I do my time. I mean, if I'm asked to do 10 minutes, I'll do 10 minutes and stuff. And that was one of the very few times when I've went up within a few minutes going like, I can't, that's not Because <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it was a very, by that point uh, in the evening or whatever, it was like a very rowdy crowd and stuff in that rowdy, wee, wee basement room, man. So you introduced me on and I literally walked on to just like we guys just like screaming like here like that'll be right or fucking I'm gonna pump your mark and just you know I mean but at this point I'm used to folks shouting I'm gonna pump yeah, your no, mark I mean, strangely but the friction bond supper is a uh, their nights are a bit rude I mean you probably yeah it was after the haggis and the whiskey I mean that's it it's when it never go on after the whiskey yeah, yeah, when, when, so everyone gets a wee nip of whiskey Aye. with their haggis and then it just everyone it just cut, turns into chaos and Aye. it's good it's good but not if you're you know, doing acapella stuff. Uh, it, it was tricky, man, and like it got to a point where I'm like, it's pointless me even try to talk here. <laughs> it's like even me a mic, yeah. you are gonna try me There's out. No, so yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, that was a great gig. Otherwise, I enjoyed everything else that was on. But uh, that was. I mean, I've had worse experiences oh, in that, that respect. You know what, that's me actually. This is. I'm trying to ask the same question because I'm going to do a compilation eventually. Right. Worst gigs. Oh my you god, you must have man. played a few. Uh, I mean, that brought to mind one that I had where. Fuck me, I got in t- <laughs> the guy got in touch with me. I'm trying to remember. Was it, it was like Pollock Shaw's Town Hall, Pollock Shields, something like that, Pollock Town Hall, run about that. And Town Hall, anyway. Guy got in touch with me, going like, that, um, Do you want to turn up and do a wee bit after the GBX experience? And I was like, Immediately, I, immediately I should have just went, like, Nah, whatever it is you've got in mind isn't going to work. Right? But. So it was a charity hang. It was, it was going to pay me, even though know, being a charity hang. So I was like, right, what, what, like, would you want? Well, that's basically both of us. It's a good cause, and you get paid. And you get paid. So, I, I, I shouldn't get paid for what I did. <laughs> but uh, so I, I've had this a few times where I reckon like folk have got in touch, not realizing kind of that I'll usually do stand up in that situation. I sort my kind of stand up act. Uh, so they've got in touch, just knowing me for like YouTube, maybe one or two videos and stuff. So they. So I, I, I messaged the guy back, like, would, would you actually want me to do this? And he was like, I'm like, I'll just go up and give a wee bit of banter and like, push and the, the song or whatever. And I was like, right, I'm not going to do the song straight off, man. And it's like, I probably don't have the rights to it or whatever anyway. Uh, but like, I do stand up and stuff. If it's if it'll work, that I come up and do a bit and I do a bit of audience interaction. So we'll see if it works. And then he, he was like, back in touch. He was a nice guy and all that, you know what I mean? But <laughs> he was back in touch going like, oh, I'm going to get a like a, a New York police car to pick you up and drop you off at the gig and I'm like if you want <laughs> if you want to spend that money for no reason so right enough on the day this boy picks me up in this police car that he obviously like hires it for stag dudes whatever it is uh, so we're driving all through town in this police motor with like these big speakers at the top like the Blues Brothers he's just like like pumping this fucking banging music out 
and this police motor, <laughs> New York police motor, and I'm like drops me off at this town hall. I get out, like I'm not in costume or anything like that. I'm just in my normal gear with a rucksack. So I just get out of this car to like folk that are just hanging about outside smoking. So it's just like, who's this wee weird guy that's turned up in a police motor? So fair enough, the guy spent the money and that uh, for no reason. But I go in. And uh, as I walk in, GBX experience is on. And as soon as I walk into the town hall, it's just like, <laughs> and the lights off, and folk are dancing. I'm like, what? Why have, why have they asked me to do something like this? And like, so I go, I go backstage. I, I, I briefly considered walking it, and I, maybe I should. Uh, no, nah, I should have. No, to, I know. I know. I should honour my So fucking, I go backstage, and there's a lassie. From uh, like what's the Clyde one goes like oh my god like oh so I, I have to introduce you on uh, after George is finished so I was gonna go on like that. so you remember this guy for YouTube and I'm just looking at her like are you are you literally gonna introduce me We're like do you remember this guy you, and she's like aye and like just staring at me I'm like is there nothing in your mind that thinks that that's maybe no alright today <laughs> it's not a not maybe the most depressing fucking intro for anyone. <laughs> Do you, know what I mean? you remember this guy? It's like YouTube? fucking. Oh, you know who you thought was dead? Well, turns out, isn't he? Because he's here to come on and die in his ass for a minute. Uh, so I convinced them. I'm just like, nah, just just literally say my name and they'll come on. Um, so right enough, GBX is doing his whole set, and then it. Uh, and if anyone doesn't know, GBX is the most banging. Yeah, it's banging. It's it's loud, man. So <laughs> he finishes his set, and it's like a western movie. It's just like finishes his set, like. Like silence and the lights come up, and as soon as the light come up, like uh, folk are just rushing out. There's a lot, quite a lot of folk in there on this. So you're headlining, and not not at all. I don't even know. I think maybe GBX was going to come on again after that, or there was there was mostly like DJs and, and folk like that. Um, so as soon as the lights lights come up, all the crowd just rush out to go to the bar next door. So the whole room's just walking it. <laughs> And then she walks on and goes like, welcome on the wee man. <laughs> so I walk on in my gear, realise that the microphone I have to use is on like a foot long wire connected to the DJ booth. So that's the like, DJ booth uh, on the stage. So I'm holding this like wire that can barely pull. Uh, I'm like, I'm standing in a space of about six inches in, f- <laughs> in, like, the, in front of the DJ booth so and before the stage ends. stagecraft. No, not at all. I can barely practice standing, man. It's like the end of my feet are hanging off. Uh, as I'm trying to start off about stand-up set, folk are just milling it, and there's like four or five people in the front, mad wet, who, as I walk on, they're pulling at the bottom of my trackies, and I'm trying to talk, and they're pulling at the bottom of my trackies, going like, are you that cunt for YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, you remember me, do you know what I mean? Fuck's sake. So I tried taking a hammer through, uh, tried to do a bit of research, and then within about three or four minutes, I just thought that I was like, you know what, I have a good night. I've uh, like I've been Lee Nelson probably Andy though I can't remember. <laughs> I just walked off. Uh, I mean, also, that you've got an ongoing feud with him. Nah, I wouldn't say that. Like, just, just, I, 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 just, I bummed him up one time. I've supported him one time at yeah. in the Park. Well, he's like the alternative and, uh, dimension, wee man. Isn't uh, he? Well, he's kind of he's kind of geared up though. So he's he's touring now under his own name, uh, basically. So he seems to have given up the kind of character stuff, and he's just kind of being well, a you, straightforward stand-up now. On the flip side of that, I went to I seen you at the Icebox most recently. And it was like a kind of new comedy, oh, yeah. right? and it was it was just it was so interesting to watch the golf in class. All all the all the new comedians were brilliant, by the way. I'm not dissing anyone, but nah, they weren't. They, me. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. Some of them were fucking shape. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's not beer in the bush man but then you know, obviously an experienced comedian comes in and just kind of 
you, you just showed a few folk that's how you do well, it. Well, I even spent some of my kind of set there actually saying to the guy who was running it like, mate, see if you do this again, don't give them 10 minutes, give them five. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> I lost the battle. I've halfway through that. Well, I think it's better for everyone if they all have five minutes because. <laughs> well, that's the, like. Uh, even I'm if I've got a bit of experience, I thought like 10 minutes after 10 minutes was do, like, that was too much. That's one, one of my New Year's resolutions. I'm going to try and do five. Yeah. I'm going to try and do five. I want to do it for years. Yeah, like that's, um, that's the way to do it, man. I think if you try and do time. 10, it's just, you're just going to start going in mad tangents and it's not going to go, it's not going to end well. That's the thing. It's like, so I'm kind of currently trying to do the new, I'm talking about Wee Nelson's going under his own name and stuff. I'm digging me under my own name and just kind of trying to do it. Quite honestly, and that like I've got a, a decent maybe ten, so I'm just like trying to work myself up to like a decent twenty. Do you know what I mean? Just writing stuff, and that's the way and it then, is, then, man. Then you then just piece it together. Special. Well, I mean, yeah, but for some folk, then they suddenly have a Netflix special. Like I've I've seen bits of some Netflix specials where I'm like, you've got a decent five, mate. Like, <laughs> no, in general, they're not great. The Netflix specials. It's weird. It's, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know where the quality control is. It just seems like all the good ones, all the what I consider good comedians, don't ever seem to go near that world. But I mean, who knows? My like, I've, I've got good agents. Possibly, who knows how it goes. Sometimes I've seen I think Netflix been specials. Elves, obviously, yeah, I've seen some Netflix specials where they are established as something else already, and then they get a Netflix special, and you're like. Ah, you, like you're kind of stealing this off like a harder working comedian that deserves it more it's just you've got that name value for doing like movies or whatever and stuff and it just never I've got kind of maybe I uh, maybe a kind of unconventional uh, a kind of frowned upon opinion in comedy and that like I struggle to sit through an hour of stand up at the best of times even some of my favourite comedians when it gets to 40 minutes and I'm like right enough yeah. do you know what I mean it's like so if it's not one of your favourite comedians an hour is like that's an endurance test do you know yeah, what I mean well, but that, quite that, often that like an hour is a long time it's in my TV series I don't really watch telly so no. the idea of clicking an hour and a half it's a lot of commitment just hit play it's, it's a lot I, I, of time I, I, I tell myself was, if it's shite you can just turn it off yeah. I tell myself that but I just you know, once I've, I've started I'm investing myself in it I'm like no they can't be that shite it's going to get better yeah I mean there's a few like Netflix like Dave Chappelle's last one I thought Dave was Chappelle brilliant was brilliant stuff. man <laughs> very um, I thought he did I mean all the controversy that came with that I, I, I don't think it was wanted I think it was no. it was good it was obviously it was a bit close to the bone at times but it was it was done in a very clever and interesting yep. and refreshing way and he was never he was Although you could argue that he was punching down, he was he, he was the butt of the joke. I thought it was like I thought he did some really intelligent stuff there. Yeah, that whole punch you talking about punching down as well. It's like I'm almost kind of fed up with hearing that about comedy as well. It's like just it, it becomes kind of. We talking about earlier on, like you're trying to avoid authority and you're getting told what to do in your life and stuff, yeah. and then all of a sudden in comedy, it's like constantly getting told like you can't you can't punch down you must punch up you must punch up you must, and your folk are constantly getting told that to the point where it gets a bit tedious where it's like well if everyone, everyone's punching up then everyone's punching at the same targets and it just becomes samey it's like playing someone at street fight and someone's just doing just see, fucking the, uppercut constantly I'm at the top, cheesy, of, I'm at the top <laughs> of my game I have to punch them well <laughs> I'm the best it doesn't it I just I don't think stuff Always needs to be necessarily punching down and, and punching up, and it's it's constantly been talked about like oh what's the target of that and stuff. It's like obviously that's worth it, that sort of discussion like what's the target and what's the context. Like obviously that's always worth something, um, but just constantly talking about like oh where's that punching, where's that where's that punching, um, 
it just kind of gets too analytical for me. It gets to a point where like folk just forgotten. Like, is it funny or is it not funny? Do you know what I mean? The, the, I've got a jackal, an unreleased jackal trade song called "It's Funny How You Never Punch Up." I'll just ditch that. <laughs> <laughs> Ditched. But I know, I know, I know what you're saying, man. I, th- I think people should just leave com- let comedians be comedians, and if you don't like it, don't pay for a ticket, don't watch it. And just let comedians be comedians. Yeah, there's loads of there's loads of comedy I don't like. I don't. I yeah, think, so I find it distasteful. Yeah, you and don't. I go, need, well, I don't. Well, I don't want to engage with that. You don't need to listen. To, you don't need to call more attention no. to it. By well, that's, I mean, I think that's. The, I think that's the moral of the story is that everyone that complains about these comedians, you are giving them attention, and people that do like that kind of stuff are going to go, oh, there's a guy yeah. punching down. I love, I love a good comedian. I love a good comedian that punches down. Let's get his Netflix special on. Rev it up. <laughs> um, so any any final words, man? We're going to need to go. Actually. I would right. love to speak longer, but uh, this is a this studio is not my studio. Someone else is coming in to do a singing lesson. Oh really? Yeah, and actually, uh, I got a singing lesson from Sev here myself after I had the throat operation, and it, it was really good, man. I didn't. Wrote, well, I've never had any singing lessons. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell, would you? <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was really good to actually go. Oh well, you can actually do things. Yeah, skills. So any final words, man? Uh, like on what note? Like what? Just, can I, um, I've plugged all my okay, shit, so I can't. Okay, do that. you've plugged all your shit. Okay, yeah, so, um, so. Uh, what about? Okay, the last time we spoke to Darren, it was about the new year, new you. So what? What? What should people be doing to try and better themselves this year? What should be doing for twenty twenty? Uh, don't touch your own face, apparently. <laughs> so I've been reading. <laughs> and get a mask, and also it would do. Wash your hands, it seems like. Yeah, it's weird that you're reading in the news, wash your hands. You're like, well, I do. Anyway, why why is the sun telling me to wash my fucking hands? Wash your hands, you cunts. I know, and the the sun. The sun telling you to wash your hands. Of all the people to tell me about cleanliness, man. If the sun's telling me to wash my hands, I'm just going to take my chances, no washing in it. (laughs) They're usually the opposite. I've washed my hands of the sun many years ago. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, okay, so, yeah, watch out for the coronavirus. See, that's the thing about... I've got, I had a couple of ideas for some skits to put on before this. They might be, the audience might have already heard them. But then they're always kind of scared that I'm just going to slag things and then, you know, I get it. Do you yeah. ever think that? Oh, I, uh, I'm, I'm not like I'm in con- constant worry about like every sort of ailment. Like, oh, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that. Oh, like, my... But you do feel like you're just kind of setting yourself up for it, don't you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the coronavirus. As that way, well, everyone's still joking about it and stuff, but the more and more you see it, I don't know, man. Like, well, it's hard to tell at this point. I mean, it's I think, hard to tell. But, but, but the, the comedian in you just wants to just have a laugh. You call that radio? You call that radio? Yeah, listen. Simpler times. This was recorded a year ago. I just thought I'd interject just for a minute. There's still a little bit, just a little bit more of the new interview to come. It's pretty much wrapping up just now the show anyway. But I just thought I'd jump in, and because uh, there's a there's a little bit that I'm that I'm taking out, and just because I don't want the context to be lost on anyone or um, anyone to be listening to this thinking that these are my opinions now when they're not. But basically, I tell a story about we. Do you remember you know the, the Blur song song two when the swing flew? Was was about we changed the words to song two instead of song instead of woohoo we sung swine flu, and we didn't know. But the city we played it on that day, someone had passed away in that city of swine flu, and it got a really bad reaction from the crowd, as you can imagine. 
And, you know, I make a throwaway comment about underlying health conditions. And rather than just cut out completely, I just want to kind of sort of explain that my ignorance at that time was, is that I was thinking, like many people who are online just now, um, that, you know, they're talking about did they die of COVID or with COVID? And it's quite a, it's just ignorance, really. Because I've, 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 I think we've all lost people from COVID this year and many people who had their whole life ahead of them. So it's, uh, you know, the, the underlying health condition can mean a multiple of things. I mean, depending on where you live, it can mean pregnant, being pregnant. It could mean being a smoker. It could mean all sorts of health conditions that are not uh, fatal at all in any way. And uh, yeah, just that I just wanted to reiterate that Back then, I thought that when someone died with an underlying health condition, they were going to die anyway. And for that, I, I would just like to apologise for my ignorance because that's not the case. And I just the reason that I mention it rather than just taking it out is because there might be someone listening to this show who has similar opinions. And I would just say, you know, that I had the same feeling. I, I, you know, I've I've been a bit of a conspiracy theorist all my days, and I also believe that the media do like to manipulate things and have people fearful. Um, but I mean, I think that this time a lot of the fears been coming from conspiracy theories, uh, um, certain blogs, certain right wing things, certain um, things that that have made it easier for the government to get away with murder because literally murder because people are too busy arguing over five G and is Trump Jesus and all sorts of stuff? Uh, you know, is the virus real? Is it fake? And and rather than just actually putting pressure on the government to support the NHS and um, support people with a universal basic income, which is what I think that we should all be spending our energies on. And uh, yeah, just wanted to say that. And, uh, you know, it was simpler times when we were quite naive when we were having this chat. Um, so I just thought... Just a wee reminder that this was recorded a year ago. And, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's been tuned in. I hope you've been enjoying the interview. And um, this is just the last little bit of the interview. Thinking back to, did we go through this with the SARS scare and the swine flu? Well, was it this to the same extent? Same, I can't well, I even remember. It, feels like it, it definitely feels like this is a, a step up. Do but I think, but this was the first time that we've had it where we've got everyone's online now. Aye, and, exactly. And we've got so many independent media's all coming up with our five G coronavirus yep. conspiracy. So <laughs> everybody's exactly. got their own wee twist on it. No, the government aren't telling us enough. Yeah, that they're not telling us the truth. They're not telling us the facts. And then the other ones like, no, the government are telling us too much. They want us to be fearful. Do you think that's what it is then? It's like they're kind of rising social media and Twitter and whatever I just think, makes it seem well, like a bigger deal you know, than these prior This probably scales, won't come like... out for a few days, so I'm just going to say, aye, I think that's what it is right oh, now. Hopefully. But, but, hopefully by the time this podcast well, comes out, it's not a case of like, yeah, swine one flu, I did a blog called <laughs> Pandemic of Paranoia back in the MySpace days when Swine Flu came out and it right. got hundreds and hundreds of hits. It was like my, probably still my... my and, it was a song, we, we changed the words, the song too, to swine flu. <laughs> it was like, I got my pig shaved, duh, 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 duh. it caused a big plague, duh, 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 duh. I phoned Max Clifford, I phoned Max Clifford, <laughs> swine flu! And I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever written, and the whole crowd are just looking at me like, 
you fucked up. <laughs> um, but yes, <laughs> but you know that it was. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was funny, and it wasn't. And I actually, I, I realised that by making any coronavirus jokes, that things could come back to bite me. You know what I mean? I know, but it's that way. Well, like, I think that's funny, right? The the, the, the swine flu song. I think that's funny. Obviously, they, they don't think it's funny because some locals died but that's just because that's then close to the bone for them do you know yeah. what I mean so like maybe they've got a well, right to know I mean obviously, yeah, I, wouldn't, obviously. I wouldn't have been giving it so much energy yeah. I was gone for it no exactly I thought it was hilarious yeah it's a good tune as well that, that, is, that sounds funny man but it's like it's always that way also, like... well I found it funny because the, the reason that I, I wrote the song was because I just found it hilarious that there was a couple from Coat Bridge came back with swine flu and the, the phone matched Clifford and got the got him to get them interviews Christ what happened to him as well? Oh, aye, aye. <laughs> Whatever happened to Matt Whatever happened to Matt Clifford? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still scared to say it about him, just in case he gets you. Is it? What? Uh, fuck, fuck knows, man. He's dead. Aye, I know, but... Did they say he's dead? <laughs> he, he's, probably, he... he's probably in the ice... He's probably in the ice... He's in the ice palace with two packs. Ice fishing with two packs. Yeah, he's playing craps with Biggie Smalls. <laughs> anyway, Neil, thank you very much for doing this. We're going to thank go. Um, yeah, cheers. And check out Neil at the Glasgow Comedy Festival. Could we all please respect Max Clifford's privacy? <laughs> Leave him alone. Could we respect Max Clifford's privacy? It's a shame The tabloids have been tarnishing his name It's a Do what Max do, he's the actual dude who represented swine flu. Took an unknown Coke Bridge Cup, booked through the worldwide news. He's got a bigger budget than that Gideon Chancellor. Who did Jade Good they call when she got the cancer? He's not a chancer, just a little bit cheeky cockney swagger, repping pedos and speedos. This entire saga gets the page three girls onto page one. Them with rock stars, all tastefully done. Who the politicians call in their moment of strife? He covers up their affairs and gags and tags their wife. He's a very nice man, he knows the meaning of life. But won't leak it or speak it until the money's right. Paparazzi's back off, let him lead his life. If he's going to prison, he's taking you with him. It's none of our business how Max be living. Respect his privacy, please. Shame. The tabloids have been tarnished. This is a democracy on you call that radio. Three, two, one, douche. You call that radio.